Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Eric Crocker Show. I'm your host, former NFL and AFL defensive back Eric Crocker. And of course, today, uh, I got a special guest coming on. And I always talk about this platform being not just my show or things for me, but it's for y'all. And I love, love, love hearing different perspectives, different uh, thoughts. And my guy Flav, who's coming on and joining me today, he's made some enemies on social media with some of his Trey Lance takes, but... I got a chance to hear him live one time, and I said, you know what? I think people, they might need to hear this version of Flav and not so much the trolling version. All right, I hope everybody's doing good today. I see the flames coming in. We're starting a little bit later in the evening. What is it, 2 p.m. Central Time, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern Time? So I hope you all have already gotten in your workouts, uh, you know, said your prayers, all that good stuff. Just getting your day started off right, man. So, uh yeah, this is fun stuff, fun stuff. I hope everybody is doing well. Make sure you guys subscribe and subscribe to this video. Yeah, 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 yeah. Subscribe, like, all that good stuff. All right. Uh, but um, I'm excited. I see that. Listen, my for people who say they, they you know, don't like confrontation or don't like this and that, I, I haven't seen my chat popping like this. Before I even clicked live in a long time. I mean, there were already 30, 40 comments in there. People already, maybe more than that. There's a lot in there. And I get this all the time. And we're going to tie in Grant Cohen in this as well. Because Grant, I remember we brought him on Locked On 49ers. And there were a lot of people, don't bring on Grant Cohen. We will not, I will not be listening to it. We saw a lot of that. During that time, it was the most listened to episode that we had. So, y'all love confrontation. Y'all act like y'all want to stop talking about the quarterbacks. Y'all don't want to stop talking about the quarterbacks because right now, I think the chat is proof of that. And uh, you know what? I think it's time. I see everybody in here, everybody flowing in here, everybody feeling good. We're going to bring them on now. All right. So, with no further ado, y'all welcome, my guy, Flay. What's up, man? Appreciate you having me on, man. I'm I'm a big fan. I watch your show all the time, and uh, and uh, this is really cool. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, again, I appreciate you watching the show. But like I said, you know, the show is not so much about me, and I just love to hear different perspectives, man. This is the people's show. This is the fans' show. And first and foremost, if I'm not mistaken, you are a fan of the San Francisco 49ers. Is, is that correct? Uh, yeah, I love I love the Niners, man. Just so much um, history and, and memories and so much joy that, you know, I've had growing up watching the Niners. And so um, it's a huge part of my life. Um, but I think not probably not as big as a lot of people think it is. Um, I just like to have fun with it. And, um, you know, there's so much controversy around the team now. It seems like I mean, for years and years, it was like there we knew who our quarterback was. And, um, you know, really it's been, I don't know, the last few years where people decided they were over Jimmy and that's when all this kind of, uh, started and, uh, you know, say what you want to say. It's, I, I just, I, I can't even imagine what it's like without the controversy. I kind of feel like it's, it would be kind of boring, you know? So yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of weird that it's, um, you know, keeps us so entertained, uh, during these times of the year that where there's not really a lot going on. So um, it's going to be interesting when it is finally over. Um, what, what the hell are we going to talk about? 
Right. And, you know, I know I've had, you know, I look at my YouTube comments sometimes and there are a lot of people like, man, can we talk about something other quarterbacks? And and I would love to talk about something other than quarterbacks. I would love to not have to have that conversation. But in all actuality, from a content creator standpoint, dude, I, I post something about Brock Purdy. It gets over 100 comments. And even yeah. this uh, title here, a little clickbaity, <laughs> kind of click, clickbaity, where it's like known Trey Lance hater, you know, adding out those type of things because – the fans love controversy. The fans love diving into those type of topics. And that's the most interaction we get. All right. So I see my guy fish and chips and he says, why this crop? You're better than this. <laughs> no, man, this is fun. This is fun. This is exactly what this is for, man, to hear two sides, whether you feel like I'm the angel and Flav is the devil or however you want to look at it. Uh, it's really all just for conversation. And, and I talk about that's what this show is for. And I hope that, uh, everyone has an open mind with everything. So we're going to start it off. I would say I found out who Flav was because I look at this account. It keeps popping up on my timeline. Okay. And I just see a whole lot of, in my eyes, what I see is this guy doesn't like Trey Lance <laughs> at all, <laughs> right? And you go through your Twitter account and you, and you see, you know, everything that you post. And I think last, when I went to go send you a, a DM with this link, I saw like a picture and it was somebody like, holding up an, an L with Trey Lance. So oh, yeah. uh, I think that's fun. I think sometimes that you, you yeah. need like that type of interaction. It makes a lot of this more fun. But one would say that you are exactly what this title says, a Trey Lance hater. So um, mm. before we really get into the details of, you know, the, the your, your thoughts on his game, uh, was it the right or wrong pick or the way that they chose to develop him? Just your overall thoughts for maybe some people that only go off of what you think on Twitter and want to hear a more deep dive version of what you think about just Trey Lance as a prospect and player. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, my, my thing is, you know, when I, I come onto your show, I'm, this is kind of like the second time I've, I've been like a guest on a show. I've, I've done some call-ins and stuff, but I'm never going to disrespect you or, or, you know, and I try to be as, easygoing as possible with regard to my takes and that sort of thing, because, um, you know, I, I want, I want it to be my, my true feelings and I want those to come across when I think about Twitter, I feel like people kind of, kind of go crazy on Twitter with, with what they say. And, and, um, it's kind of like the extreme of the extreme of, uh, people. And so on there, you'll see me kind of going over, over the top with my, uh, with my takes um, trying to kind of get a rise out of people because I, I kind of find it funny um, that people get so upset about the fact that, I mean, and, you know, and that's my problem too. It's like, I don't hate Trey Lance. Like, I don't hate him at all as a person. And I'm sure, you know, I don't know him personally, but from everything I've heard, great person, smart, you know, obviously he's a great athlete too. Like if I say Trey Lance sucks, I don't mean that he sucks at football. He's, if you're in the NFL, you're one of, you're, you're better than 99.9% .9 of people that have ever played football before ever. So, you know, I don't, I know that he doesn't suck at football. You know, what I'm saying is, you know, is he a top 10 quarterback? And if he's not, then maybe that means you suck by NFL standards or are, are you not a starting quarterback? Then, you know, do you suck by NFL standards? And so, you know, that's sort of my thing is like, you know, it's not really a personal thing for me with regard to Trey Lance. I don't hate him. I just don't 
particularly think he's a good NFL quarterback. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it was a terrible draft pick. Um, but um, you know, it has nothing to do with with anything other than that. And um, you know, but at the same time, too, do I do like my feelings for some of his supporters um, and and that sort of thing? Like, you know, I don't I don't care for for some of them. Uh, some of them are are nice and level headed, and we can have like a, a good discussion um, back and forth, which I love to have as well. But some of them are so over the top, and and you know, it takes it personal, and and you know that makes me want to respond in a way that uh, is kind of going to get under their skin, you know. So, what were your thoughts when the, when you heard with the third pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, San Francisco 49ers select? Quarterback Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. Your thoughts? So, man, I, when I when we traded up and it became clear that we were taking a quarterback, um, and we had the third pick, so you know, I I think my initial thought was that they know uh, Sala, uh, and they probably felt like they knew Sala, and he was going to. Uh, probably try to get a defender uh, like a defensive player to build his team around like his Nick Bosa or something, because they felt like they knew him. And so I really felt like they kind of felt like they had inside information that Zach Wilson was going to slip to number three. And that's why they wanted to get to that spot was kind of my initial sort of feeling. Um, but I also kind of, I, I just felt like, um, you know, we were, uh, so that was after the 2020 year, we just had all these injuries. And um, I think, what do we have a 13th pick or four, four, 13 or 14, oh, 12 pick. So, you know, I, I understood it from a, uh, from a team building perspective. I think in their head, they knew that they're never going to be this close to the front of the draft again, most likely. The only reason that they were was because they just had the most injury riddled season in 49 or in, in the NFL history, I think. And so they had this rare opportunity where they had a really good team uh, that just happened to be all injured at the same time. And now they're sitting at number 12 and they see in the future that they're going to need a quarterback in, you know, about two years and they have all of these good players that they're going to need to pay and so the decision is either you get a top quarterback and pay him and you're going to lose, um, you know, uh, players like Debo or, you know, these other guys that you have to pay, or they're probably sitting there saying, but, you know, we got all the way to a Super Bowl that we felt we probably should have won. We were up 10 in the fourth quarter uh, and it's still, we blew that lead. It still came down to a missed pass by Jimmy and, we, we, we still could have won that game. Um, and so we feel like our team can carry us as long as we have a serviceable quarterback, we're going to, we're going to have a shot to win. And if we can get someone that is even a little bit better uh, than Jimmy, um, then we have a team that can carry us all the way there. And, and perhaps a quarterback uh, that can put us over the top um, or at least make it easier. And so you know, I understood the whole thing, and I think they wanted to get someone on, on a rookie deal. 
uh, so that they could keep that team together that they knew, if healthy, could take them all the way to the Super Bowl or they were going to be put in contention. Um, I just did not understand the pick at, at the time with, with Trey Lance because, uh, again, I just – I don't know if if it was a situation where uh, they thought that Trey was further along uh, – in his development than he, that he was, or they thought that, um, that they were better than they were. And, and it didn't matter, uh, where Trey was that they could make it work with him and this team. Um, but somehow they got it wrong. My personal belief is that, um, is that, you know, they traded up at a time where if someone said that they were going to take Mac Jones at number three, uh, it wouldn't have been a crazy shock to everyone. But by the time the draft came around, I think the consensus was that, you know, Mac is going to fall. He's, he doesn't have the athletic upside. It's not a flashy pick. And the fan base is going to have a problem with it. And so s- they were looking around. There was stuff coming out on fields about his work ethic and, you know, whether or not he, he worked hard and all this other stuff. And Trey Lance was like a complete unknown. And in a weird way, Trey Lance was like the safest pick from a criticism standpoint once they traded up to three and it became the time of the draft. And I think they kind of folded under pressure and um, uh, and and took the guy that needed a lot of work. um, And now they're kind of paying the price. Like uh, I was saying this the other day, like I've been seeing these YouTube videos lately where like these people will go up on the street to someone and say, you know, do you want this $20 bill or do you want a mystery box? And they have like a, a cart full of wrapped gifts. And, you know, you get some people that are like, I'll take the 20 bucks. And then you get the other people that are like, well, I'll take the mystery box. You know, some people open it up and it's like an iPad and it's like, wow, you know, like obviously the mystery box was better. Some people open it up and it's a bag of Skittles, you know, and it's like, I think Mac Jones was like the $20 bill. You knew what you were going to get. It's, you know, it's a safe $20 bill. It's not a hundred, you know, you're not, you're not going to be able to buy too much with it, but you can buy something with it and it's safe. You know what it is. Trey Lance was the mystery box. And in, in my opinion, it was more Skittles. It ended up being the iPad. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah. Do you do you think when you look at where the 49ers are right now with Trey Lance, right? Because now now they've drafted him and and it's looking more like Skittles than an iPad for the 49ers. But do you think that in maybe a different situation, the outcome could have been a little bit different? Like let's say hypothetically speaking, he was drafted to the Chicago Bears, like Justin mm-hmm. Fields, where you can just play and no matter what. You're you're pretty much fine, right? Mm-hmm. Or let's say he went to the Jacksonville Jaguars, where Trevor Lawrence that same year had you know had ten touchdowns, seventeen interceptions, and people yeah. are like, what you know? But if that's Trey Lance, he has that type of year with them, you know, coming in the next year is like, well, he can only do better, et cetera. You might be a little bit more excited as opposed to the 49ers. You could not have a ten touchdown, seventeen interception season, even if you're. Trevor Lawrence or, you know, Mm -hmm. what would the conversation be like if Trevor Lawrence came to the Niners and had that? Now, you might think the team is better, so he wouldn't go through quite that drastic of a situation. But in in general, 
it didn't look great, but having an opportunity to get better without a team thinking, hey, we can't have this because we need to go to a Super Bowl. So do you, that's a long way yeah. of me saying, do you think a different team with lower expectations would have been a better situation for a mystery box like Trey Lance? Well, yeah, 100%. I mean, 100%. There's no doubt about it. That's the situation a quarterback like that should uh, go to. Um, it's just, it's not fair to him to be expected to uh, have the, the skill set. When I say that, it's not the physical skill set. It's the, all the, the, the other things that come along with the experience and the knowledge of uh, playing at this level um, that, that it takes to win. And I, I feel like this is one of the things that kind of bothers me is that, you know, people, when you talk about Jimmy, um, you know, you can say what, what, what you want about him. I've never said that he's a top 10 quarterback, but at the same time, you still have to respect the fact that he was able to, to, uh, win a, a lot of games. And, uh, I don't care who you are and, and how good your team is and how good your coach is. Uh, if, if you're a terrible quarterback, you're still not going to be able to win games. And, you know, I think we, uh, you know, we don't appreciate what he was able to do enough from that standpoint of, you know, being a leader and, um, you know, being a, a, a mid-level quarterback that was able to get the job done more often than not. Unfortunately, um, you know, on the, in the biggest games, he wasn't, uh, but a lot of the times he, he was and, um, and you know, and I think, uh, I think people want to give too much credit to Shanahan and, and the roster when it's Jimmy, um, in that scenario, don't appreciate the fact that he did a lot of the little things that it takes to win games. Um, and so, uh, but from, uh, a trace standpoint, um, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I think it was unfair for him to be drafted into this situation with the expectation to win. Now, there's no doubt about it. And and the, you know, what, when I look at Trey, it's like I think he's somebody because of his lack of experience. Um, like you're going to need three years of playing time just to figure out if he has the potential to be great in this league. Um, you know, I think. Uh, because he's got to go through the 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 ups and downs and the uh, and, and the learning and um, you know I mean defenses are going to fool him uh, his first time seeing it and it's like you know I could go read a book on uh, how to hit a golf ball um, until you go out there and actually hit a golf ball like I can know everything there is about hitting a golf ball it doesn't matter until you go actually do it and um, there's no way around it and so. Um, you know, at least if he was with the Bears, I still think he's going to have the same issues, though, which, you know, to me is uh, he's not as good of a runner as we had hoped, as the Niners had hoped. And I don't really blame the Niners for that. I think it's hard to see in one year of film at the SCS level how good of a runner someone truly is because of the competition that you're playing against. It's just hard it's to not, see. It's not the SEC. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And not to mention when you throw on the fact that he's basically playing at the Alabama of the FCS, where his team is significantly better than the team that they're playing against, you know, where he's he's got holes opening up that are huge that, you know, 
and and he's playing against this subpar competition. I'm not saying that no one can be good playing at that level. We know that that's not the case. I'm just saying that it's hard to truly see how good he is um, when you're watching him versus that competition, and you only have a year because of COVID. Um, and so, you know, it was a very uh, high risk. I think it turned out that he wasn't as good of a runner as we had hoped. At least he's, you know, he's not on the uh, Lamar Jackson fields type of level when it comes to running. Um, and, uh, and if you're not on that level, it puts even more emphasis on your passing game and you got to be on time accurate, uh, and, uh, know where you're going with the football, um, in order to be successful when you don't have an elite run game to bail you out sometimes. And I think when the Niners drafted him, they thought, yeah, the passing game is probably going to take some time but we can get by with his run game. And that's what they tried. Whenever we saw Trey Lance, that's kind of what they were trying to do. They were trying to really get by on his run game while his passing uh, game kind of, um, you know, where, where they would kind of mix it in and try to scheme stuff open and make it easy as possible for him uh, while they really leaned on his running uh, ability. And unfortunately, he's, he, he just kind of lacked that electric running ability that we see from, um, you know, some of the best in the game. And uh, so in, in my opinion, in order for him to be one of the top quarterbacks in the league, uh, his, he's got to, he's got to do it a lot more from, uh, from, you know, being able to throw from the pocket and be accurate and on time and, uh, and make reads um, in a split second. And that's where uh, I see the, um, the problems with, with Trey and, and these people that, you know, are like, well, you know, he's only had four games and, you know, and I think I, I heard one of your shows, you know, lately where you're like, um, you know, he, I mean, he didn't look terrible in those four games. I'm not going to say like he was amazing, but he didn't look terrible. So I don't know, you know, what, what they see the way I, I think about Kyle Shanahan and what he looks for um, is, you know, I picture Kyle Shanahan after a game watching like the all 22 and he's going through and, and pretty much almost every single play uh, that doesn't work. I bet he can pinpoint why it didn't work. And in his head, he's thinking, you know, if, if this guy just didn't miss that block or this receiver ran the right route or uh, the quarterback, which I think is most common, uh, if the quarterback made the right decision, based on what the defense was showing, this, this play would have worked. And I think Shanahan, the way that he sees it is my, my offense is going to work. You know, my offense will uh, work it, as long as it's run the way it's supposed to be run and, and the people are doing their jobs the way it's supposed to be done. My offense is going to work. And, um, and so then you look at like a quarterback like Jimmy and in terms of his reads and that sort of thing. I think Jimmy was probably like maybe let's say 60, 50, 60% of the time he's making decisions that Kyle Shanahan liked um, and, and, you know, hitting the guy he should hit in, in that play. Um, you know, again, not great, but not uh, terrible. Um, I think you look at someone like Brock. I think that's why Shanahan really loves Brock. I think he's probably, 
you know, on our scale is probably more like an 80% guy where he sees what Shanahan sees a lot of the time. And, uh, and same thing with probably like cousins. He, that's why he liked cousins a lot because he could see the field like Shanahan saw the field. My guess it, as to why they're so low on Trey, um, despite only the four games is because it in practice over the last two years and, and being around him, it's, it's been clear that Trey is probably more like a 30% guy where he's having trouble knowing where to go with the ball, especially when you have to make that decision in a split second. And, um, and we're talking about on more. Of a and, but again, all these other guys I named. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, and I think that that scares Shanahan because he's like, you know, uh, he knows that if, if you get one of these 80% guys that know where to go with the ball 80% of the time and they're accurate and throw it on time, uh, that his offense is probably going to be pretty damn good. And um, so I think that that's what he's more concerned about as opposed to can this guy throw the ball 60 yards down the field, which, you know, I think he, he likes, but on the scale of what's important to him, it's more, does this guy know where to go with the football every single play? Um that's what he cares about the most. And then it's, can he accurately get it there? And if you have those two things, that's that's going to be the quarterback Shanahan wants. All right. All right. So we have some kind of examples of what he likes and maybe some of the things he doesn't, especially if you're not doing it exactly how he wants, right? So there are narratives out there about Kyle Shanahan and how controlling he can be. We've heard RG3 say that, right? But let's go back a little bit further than RG3. Uh, you go back to the Houston Texans days when he finally took over and was officially an officer coordinator there, Matt Schaub. He had him as a quarterback, played well, had some good years, right? Fast forward to the Washington days. First, he has Donovan McNabb. And Donovan McNabb, not the most efficient quarterback. And we know back in those days, kind of the, you know, the 2000s, early 2010s, uh, you know, you didn't see as high of efficiency rates as we see now, maybe by a few quarterbacks, like, you know, if you're, I don't know, uh, Steve Young or something, you know, but mm -hmm. outside of that, you know, the guys weren't throwing for 66, 67, 70% passing. It was closer to, uh, you know, 60%, 61, mm -hmm. 62, 63. McNabb was more of a 60% passer. If you look at it on paper, 61, 62 in that range. Well, he was coming off of a year where he had went 10 and four as a starter for Philadelphia Eagles, went to the pro bowl and you know, there was Michael Vick there at that time. So they're like, all right, we're kind of done with Mike, uh, with McNabb. We're going to go to Mike Vick McNabb. You are now a free agent after being 10 and four and going to a pro bowl, going to a pro bowl. So he signs with Washington. He gets there and all of a sudden there's this big disconnect between him and Kyle Shanahan. You got this young office coordinator telling him, Hey, I need it done like this, this, this. You need to be doing these things. And McNabb is like, well, why don't we try this, this, and this? And he's probably thinking about, hey, these are the things that have worked for me throughout my career. Kyle is like, well, I don't care about your career. I care about what's going to make this offense go the way I envision it in my head. And the way that you play, it's not that. You're not going to uh -huh. run it the way. So ultimately, he kind of benched Donovan McNabb. He didn't even start for that entire season. Fast forward, what they do, they draft RG3. It's been very well documented. RG3 was not either one of the Shanahan's choice. That was Dan Snyder's choice, right? He's like, hey, I want RG3. That's who we're taking when Kyle Shanahan wanted 
Kirk Cousins, and Mike Shanahan wanted uh, uh, Russell Wilson. So he wanted to draft Russell Wilson in the second, and then Kyle wanted to draft Kirk whenever he could. When Kirk was there mm-hmm. in the fourth, it's like, oh, yeah, take my guy. But now you're in the situation where, oh, we got to coach this guy, RG3, as electric as he was, dynamic as he was. He can throw. He did all these things. He was great at uh, Baylor. He, Heisman Trophy Award got, like, all those things. But it's like, you're not my type of quarterback, so I don't mm-hmm. want you. So what did he do? He created this makeshift offense that doesn't have to do a whole lot with what he truly wants to do. Hey, you know what? We're going to go all the way this way, and we're going to develop this type of offense and just throw you in there. And he won rookie of the year. But then he got hurt, had the knee injuries, and he was like, hey, can we change a little bit of how I'm playing? I want you know this longevity. And Kyle was just like, no. And he never was going to change it because he didn't like him. So now we're kind of mm-hmm. seeing how – if you're not a very specific type of quarterback, he kind of pushes back on and is quick to really try to move on. So now let's fast forward a little bit. Uh, 2019, Jimmy Garoppolo's coming off of a torn ACL. Week one, did not play well against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 49ers won, shot to Richard Sherman, Keller Witherspoon, both had pick sixes. Uh-huh. Mike Silver goes on national television and says, hey, if it continues to get kind of weird, with Jimmy Garoppolo, I could see them going to Nick Mullins because he loves Nick Mullins. And I think now we hear that and it sounds crazy because we know what Nick Mullins ultimately is, a guy who's borderline an NFL player. But he was more than that with Kyle Shanahan. He's Uh a guy who completed 65% of his passes, threw for the most yards, the third third most yards in his first 16 starts in NFL history. So Let's say, hypothetically speaking, if he just played 16 straight games, that would be the mo- the third most yards in a 16-game uh, starting span than anybody in NFL history, right? So, by all accounts, man, at least yardage, he's starting to get it. And then you look at certain things. And where I'm going with this is because I kind of – I didn't compare, and that's how they took it. Oh, you're saying that Nick Mullins is the same as Brock Purdy. I'm not saying that. Mm. I'm drawing parallels to the style of quarterbacks they are and how Kyle Shanahan leans towards that guy more than someone who might have more upside or more arm talent or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, Nick Mullins sucks. can win. Well, yeah, of course he couldn't win because in 2020, they lost down near their whole team. They did, barely had Debo, barely had George Kittle, lost Nick Bosa, didn't have a defense. Early on when C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins took over, I mean, there was a season where they had five takeaways over the entire season, five. They had like 20-plus. They led the, inter- the, in- the NFL in the interceptions last year with over 20 interceptions and had a year where they had five total takeaways. So you have to factor in all those things. And when you add the guys that Nick Mullins and Beathard were missing and guys they added, like uh, Christian McCaffrey and how that makes a difference with everybody else, I could see how a guy with that type of ability – Plays well, throws the ball well, does things that Kyle Shanahan likes. Because I think he would have liked Nick Mullins in that type of uh, situation. So I don't say that to belittle uh, Brock Purdy and what he did. He was amazing. But I just say Mm. it's very clear that he wants a guy that is going to do exactly what he says, how he wants him to do it, and be more closer to that 80% that you speak of as opposed to a 30%, a guy that might have to do things a little bit more off script. And I've exactly. been of saying that I did not think that Kyle Shanahan would like uh, Patrick Mahomes. 
And we see what Patrick Mahomes is now, and everybody's like, man, you're crazy. Man, if anybody goes back and watch Patrick Mahomes, like from when he first started playing, the dude would make his first read. And if it's not, and if he doesn't like it, he'd move around. Well, Kyle mm-hmm. would hate that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think he would kind of struggle to get on the same page with him because of his freelancing uh, mindset that he has. And he likes more guys like a Nick Mullins and a Brock Purdy. And I think that's mm-hmm. what, and that's not to say, because I already know, Brock did nothing like Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy moves better than Nick Mullins, 100. Mm-hmm. But overall, in the sense of how he plays or the way he sees the field, Kyle loves that about his quarterback. So mm-hmm. when it comes to Brock Purdy, and I know I said a handful just now, just some of your thoughts on how you feel like he fits with what Kyle Shanahan wants. Yeah, well, I think you you nailed it uh, on the head. I mean, every everything you said um, sounds right to me. Again, like we have to go back to the fact that Kyle Shanahan, the one thing that he's certain of is that if everybody does their job, his offense will put up points and, you know, over 30 points a game. And I think he's 100% confident in that. Of course, nobody's perfect. People make mistakes. You don't see things. That sort of thing comes up. And and then there's times where the defense just wins and they make a better play and beat somebody. And that, that that's going to happen as well. But overall, Kyle knows that if people – um, run his offense and do their job, his offense is going to work. Like he can't rely on a quarterback, um, you know, scrambling around and coming up with something off script. He can't rely on that. What he feels comfortable with and relying on is his offense, the way it's drawn up and, you know, him setting up his plays. Like we just heard Kittle talk about how he, he'll literally set up plays in the first quarter for uh, things that he wants to do in the third or fourth quarter Um, and you know, it, it only works if you do it the way that he wants it done and you're setting up these plays the way that they're supposed to. Um, and so, you know, I kind of picture it as like, you know, you have your, your two different quarterbacks and, um, you, you have those quarterbacks that are, uh, like, um, more, I guess, for lack of a better word, like the game manager type that are going to, you know, stay within the offense and run, the plays that it, it, you know, how they were designed and, and that sort of thing. Um, you know, I think of like Alex Smith, it was like a kind of a classic example of, of this where, you know, he's not going to be, um, you know, taking a ton of risk and going off script and that sort of thing. He's going to stay within uh, the confines of the offense. Um, and, you know, to me, he was kind of on one extreme of that. Uh, then you have your guys that are like more, your backyard type of quarterbacks that are, um, you know, super athletic. Usually they, uh, you know, when things kind of break down or something's not there, they just completely rely on their athleticism to try to create. And, um, you know, to me, Mahomes is like a perfect combination of both of those two. Like he could do either or, which makes him awesome. And, and so I kind of think that Shanahan would, would be able to tolerate it because, um, you know, he's capable of running Shanahan's offense, but also uh, when it breaks down, can can create and, and uh, do his own thing. Justin Fields, on the other hand, to me, he kind of only has that second, that second backyard type of quarterback, which I think would drive Kyle Shanahan nuts. And I think that's why, you know, one of the reasons why he didn't take him, because um, 
you know, he's, he's, when things break down, he's going to re- just fully rely on his athleticism and try to create. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan would basically be there. Like, you know, if you hung in the pocket one more second, this guy was open. You were, you know, ma- not making the right read. And, you know, he would just be uh, pissed off. And I think, you know, and that's where I said where, where the frustration I believe with Jimmy was, was that, you know, he, he was uh, an average processor and, you know, and, and, 60% of the time, um, you know, he, he was okay, but he was also leaving uh, deep passes off. You know, he, he wasn't taking the deep passes that they were, that were there. Uh, and then he's throwing boneheaded passes once or twice a game that, you know, are getting picked off and that sort of thing. And so, um, but when you look at Purdy uh, for the eight games that we've seen him, um, this is by far, at least on the 49ers, I've, uh, I've seen anybody process uh, on the field and, you know, steps out up to the line and truly knows where, uh, you know, the defense is going to be when his guy's going to be open. And the crazy thing to me is like with Purdy's arm strength, um, you know, how good of a processor he is, uh, you know, it's, it's even um, uh, it's, it's increased because, you know, I always said like Jimmy, um, I don't know how accurate he was, but his quick release would make up for a, a lot of, you know, maybe slow processing where he's still able to get balls there because he has an extremely quick release. Uh, and, he, you know, he had, he had a, a pretty good arm, um, you know, not a leader or anything, but uh, he, he could make some throws off script and, you know, different arm angles and that sort of thing. Um, you know, Purdy, uh, I think has a worse arm than Jimmy, uh, but his ball, like, you know, the, the foresight that you have to have to get the ball where it needs to be on time is uh, is increased because he has a weaker arm and he's still able to do it. And, um, you know, it wasn't long, like maybe two games in, three games in, where you start hearing Kyle Shanahan talking about how his entire playbook is open because he has a guy now uh, that he knows sees the field like he sees it. And is going to stay within the offense. And when it's there, it's going to be hit more times uh, than not. And uh, I just don't think that he gets that same feeling with Trey. Um, I think with Trey, you see him going the route that he did with the other quarterbacks you mentioned, which is, Hey, we're going to have to run this. We're going to have to run the ball. We're going to try to sit on it. We're going to try to keep possession and uh, rely on our defense um, you know, to, to win games. Uh, and that's the way that we're going to win. It's probably going to be ugly. We're going to win games 17 to 14 and, you know, he's going to run 13 times a game and, uh, and then we're going to scheme open passes for him, um, that where he doesn't have to actually make the reads, like this is where you're going with the ball. And I think that's kind of, and then when you look at Nick Mullins, um, I think one, this has contributed to the fact that, you know, you have people saying that he has no trade value. Now, Trey, that is, you have no trade value because uh, quarterbacks don't usually get better uh, when they leave Kyle Shanahan's offense. Uh, they typically get worse and they're, they're typically worse before they get to Kyle. Um, and so they're usually the best with, with Kyle. And, you know, you, I think a lot of people kind of look at that and say, man, you know, you saw how good Nick Mullins was with Kyle. Um, why is Trey putting up these numbers with Kyle Shanahan and that team? 
you know, you would expect it to look more like Brock when, when he gets in the game and those types of numbers, it's scary that his numbers are what they are, even with Kyle Shanahan and uh, with this roster, uh, when even Nick Mullins looked great in this offense. Uh, and so, you know, these are all things. I did want to, because there was someone right here, he says, uh, Nick Mullins was not like Brock. He was always trying to make plays that were not there. Mullins was trash. My pushback on that would be Mullins was not playing with, I mean, like, who is he playing with? Kendrick Bourne, you know, was like the most consistent receiver that Mullins had to play with. The, again, the defense, the, the what that the pressure that puts on a Nick Mullins, right? He did not play with the defense that 49ers had last year. Number one defense in the NFL. Team that mm -hmm. no, they they doubled their takeaways, you know, the second half of the season, right? And I'm not saying that's the only reason why Purdy was good. I'm just mm -hmm. saying how, yeah, we can judge Nick Mullins based on, you know, 2020 and everybody hurt, Debo hurt, Kittle hurt, no CMC. You know, you even lost yeah. Trent Williams for some games, right? No Nick Bosa on the defense, right? And it's like, well, yeah, judge him because he tried to do too much. Well, of course, how is he going to – he doesn't have the playmakers available outside of Ayuk, who Kyle Shanahan didn't even want to play and has admitted that. Like, I, I didn't even want to play Ayuk, but everybody else was hurt. So mm -hmm. we can dog Nick Mullins for the situation, but ultimately from a, you know, statistical standpoint, you could see where he was kind of on the right path, but at the wrong time with the yeah. uh, to, to uh judge judge point though. I mean, if you look at his numbers, I want to say uh 2000, I forget what year. I think he played in 2018 and 20. He got maybe eight games in each of those years. 2018, I think he was better. Um, but uh, you know, both of those years he he threw almost as many picks as touchdowns, or uh, I want to say at least one of the years I think he had in 18. 2020, games, had or 20, uh, 12 and 12. Yeah, 12 and 12. And so, you know, I think that, um, you know, he started, he, he definitely started off hot and, and did a lot of good things. Uh, ultimately, there were issues there, though, as well, where he had a little bit of the, the Jimmy risk reward problem. Well, hold um, on, Flav. Yeah. How much more difficult is it when you have to force a ball to, to uh, kid you born, as opposed to being right. able to check down to Christian McCaffrey. I, I, I look, I totally, I totally get this, that, that point. Um, and that's, I was going to say too, though, I want to make, make it clear though, like the teams that um, Nick Mullins had to play with are, are a lot worse than even like Trey's team that he had versus the bears that didn't have like Kittle and, whoever and McCaffrey like you know I I think th those teams that Mullins were on the whole team was injured like you said I think his best receiver was um who was his best receiver it was Brandon Ayuk who Kyle Shanahan did not want to play yeah and well he was like a and this, that was 2020 was he like a rookie that year or something um I can't remember but yeah uh but yeah to your point his his teams were um his teams were, were, were bad. And it would have been uh, interesting to see him play with, uh, with a better roster for sure. And, and, um, and then from a, a winning game standpoint, um, I think you, you also look at uh, obviously the defense. My thing with the defense though, is that a lot of times when you have a bad defense, 
it means um, your play caller has to be more aggressive because you know that you're going to have to score more points. And so Kyle Shanahan might be dialing up more aggressive plays. Um, you get into more games where, uh, you know, you're, you're not playing to control time of possession, leaning on your defense, which Kyle Shanahan loves to do. Uh, that's how, you know, when we're rolling uh, well and getting, you know, to the NFC championship and Super Bowl, um, he, he's controlling the time of possession, relying on his run game, throwing when he has to sort of thing and leaning on his defense. But I think in those years when people were injured and that sort of thing, uh, I bet he was more aggressive from the outset because he knew, hey, I, instead of having to score 23 points to win this game, we, we got to put up a lot more points. And so in, in a weird way, I think Mullins would be a, a benefited from statistically from not having as good of a defense. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think it's interesting to see. And, and to me, it's, you know, it is, it's, it's a testament to Kyle Shanahan because we haven't been able to see Nick Mullins uh, do anything like that since he left. That's for sure. Right. And I'm not in, I want to make this very clear. I'm, for for the people here because they will they'll come in later in the comments and then they'll say things that I don't mean. I'm not saying that Nick Mullins would be as good as Brock Purdy. I'm saying mm -hmm. that clearly Kyle likes a certain type of quarterback. And because of yeah. the, the type of quarterback Mullins was, he was able to do certain things. And although we're not looking at him as being this good quarterback, I would I can only imagine him in a more uh, in a better situation for him to not have as much pressure, but still be the quarterback that he is that Kyle likes and what that might right. look like uh, in 2022. So uh, real quick, we've got some super chats and I am going to get to, we got some people that want to come on for the people that are coming in and I see y'all and we're going to have to be quick because I got some chicken in the oven right now. But for the people <laughs> that are coming on, Flav has not been disrespectful to anyone. So I just hope that y'all come on and give him the same respect that he's giving everybody in the chats. Even though I've seen the chat, I see the comments, I see people, some of the things that they're saying. Uh, he's been uh, nothing but uh, a, a stand-up guy throughout this whole time and just giving his perspective. So I am going to start bringing guys on. Be respectful. And we got to be quick because I probably got about five more minutes with this chicken. All right. No so uh, real quick, we did have a super chat here. My guy, No Flav, says <laughs> uh, this guy doesn't, doesn't know football. Ask him a football question, Croc. Uh, has he ever played? Uh, Trey is slow processor. Sounds like racial tones. I'll say this. I don't think you have to play football to understand or know football. I think that uh, people learn football in many different ways. And I think, you know, different experiences of watching it, uh, you know, throughout the years, you know, whether you got to watch Joe Montana and Steve Young and that whole thing, uh, maybe you got to watch Steve Young when he was trash with Tampa Bay and understanding what that situation was as opposed to duking it out and ultimately taking over uh, for the 49ers as starting quarterback or, you know, Colin Kaepernick and what that looked like and then uh, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and what that looked like and, and, and such, so on and so on. I think for me, the only thing that helps me from – uh, as far as being a player, and we're, when we're talking about quarterbacks, is 2013, I was there with Geno Smith and Mark Sanchez. And I saw what Geno Smith was, and I saw maybe how immature he was and some of the things that he was doing or, you know, flying people in, maybe not as focused, me and him playing Madden, and he pulled out some Ciroc or whatever, right, mm -hmm. And in the middle of the daytime. And then the Geno Smith now and the growth mm -hmm. 
and the understanding and maybe having to go see a backup and stuff like that. So just my first hand experience seeing Gino then and him being a 50% passer barely or whatever he was not good to the person that he is now and kind of from the outside looking in what has gone into that, you know, I can, I can revert back to like, man, well, this is what he was. So let's say a Trey Lance and some of the issues he's having right now. And if, five years from now, all of a sudden, Trey Lance is this terrific quarterback because it clicks. I could say, well, yeah. And we can point to the things as to what he maybe needed to be good, but didn't match the 49ers timeline. Ultimately gain those things from being maybe being a backup, uh, being behind somebody that's good, and then revitalizing his career. We have seen that. So uh, that's where maybe playing again has more of a... Uh, yeah. Well, 100%. And uh, just to respond, well, one, I, I appreciate that guy um, having his whole identity based off of my, uh, persona. Um, yes. but, uh, but, uh, I did play football through high school. Um, but, uh, and you know, I would never, you know, uh, someone like Croc knows has probably forgotten more football than I'll ever know. So I don't hold myself out to be, uh, some ultimate expert of all things football. Um, you know, but I, I feel like, uh, you know, I've, I've also tend to be right when it comes to the 49ers and this situation. And, um, and so, you know, it's ultimately, like I said, you, I look with my eyes and, and I see what I think is going on. And then I look for confirmation of that. And to me, the way that the organization has treated Trey Lance through these last three years and how they continue to treat him by making him compete with Darnold for the QB two and acting like they try kind of want to try to trade him, You do not do that to someone that, you have full confidence is going to be a, a great player. They, you just don't uh, act like that. They they have basically all jumped on the Purdy train, and um, and there's a reason to that. And um, in my opinion, it's because uh, either from an experience or uh, just a lack of knowledge standpoint, um, that takes years, uh, as well as a lack of accuracy and timing and touch. Um, Trey is not there yet. He's just not at that level yet. And you look at even Mullins. Mullins had a very successful college career and had a way more experience uh, than Lance. And it just takes time. And Lance, uh, unfortunately, isn't there yet. But uh, thank you. All right. Right here we got my guy, uh, Elon. And he says, Purdy are often scored more points to first force opponents to be more aggressive. Nick Mullins rarely played good against a good team. Most times is garbage time. And I would say, again, Maybe Mullins was always going to be trash. You could look at him and see that there were some limitations in his game. But it also, it's really tough to judge him on the same level as a Trey Lance or Brock Purdy in the sense of his team was terrible that he was playing on. Like, that's hard. Mm-hmm. To play, and I've played on, right. again, it goes back to, you know, my personal experience. I've been on some bad teams. It is hard, especially for a quarterback, to be good in that type of situation. It, it just is. Uh, yeah. Trevor Lawrence, I don't think there's any coincidence how year one, it was a tumultuous situation with his head coach. Uh, you know, the team wasn't as good, whatever. He was bad. Fast mm-hmm. forward to year two, they got a good head coach in and Doug Peterson. Uh, they added three receivers in free agency. And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, he's a top eight quarterback in the NFL, right? Like it just flipped. He mm-hmm. just got a better situation went through his ups and downs. So uh, it's really hard to judge guys when their situation is just really so trash. And then here we go. Last one, we got uh, Sean. He said, I don't think Kyle deserves to win the Super Bowl, not until he fixes the my way think tank 
uh, if he wins it all, if he wins, it will negatively reinforce his BS. He has yeah. to get out of his own way. He seems unwilling to do so. And a quarterback trainer in my comments popped in and said he doesn't care for uh, um, Kyle Shanahan because he he walks into a room and feels like he's the smartest person in the room. And I think, let's say, you know, we always use kind of Andy Reid. I bet if Andy Reid walked into a room, he wouldn't try to make you feel like he's the smartest person in the room. You just know he was. I remember being there and, you know, playing experience, being there firsthand with Rex Ryan. And it was clear Rex Ryan was the smartest motherfucker in that room. But he would, you know, get suggestions from the players. Take their mm -hmm. advice. All right, Calvin Pace, you know, this is what you want to do. If it, if it doesn't work, we ain't doing it again. But we'll do these things. Like, he didn't come off as, like, hey, I'm the smartest person in this room. But you just knew just what, how he talked about and spoke about football. Like, he was the smartest person in the room. Have you um, have you uh, uh, watched Ted Lasso at all? I've watched two seasons, I believe. Uh, okay. I don't know if, if uh, uh, but for, for those who have it, he's, he's kind of got, like, the wonderkind uh thing you know that the little uh coach that he's like the assistant coach that ends up winning a game and everyone says he's like the wonder kid or whatever um i think people who watch the show kind of uh know what i'm talking about he he uh he he likes the smell of his own farts a little bit you know like he he, he thinks he's um he's uh you know the the best but i mean at the same time too he's he's when it comes to being like an offensive coordinator, the guy's pretty insane, man. He's pretty, he's pretty awesome. Yes. And, uh, and his teams play tough, I think, and his players like him. And so I think we just get the, you know, we just get the outside media kind of perspective that, um, you know, I, I think he, I don't know. It's just hard. It's hard to know, but I, to me, he's a top five quarterback or uh, coach in the league. And, I'm not getting rid of that unless uh, unless you got somebody 100% better lined up that's ready to replace him. So, um, you know, that's that's sort of my thoughts on on him. Uh, we will have you elaborate. I'm running out. Of time. All right, no, my chicken about to y'all yeah. about to burn my chicken. All right, real quick, about to bring some people on. I see uh, Shaz right here. He says, uh, so three years in since Trey was drafted, he hasn't uh, played and still no chip. Uh, Purdy better ball. I'm holding him to a Super Bowl or bust standards. See, and I think that's tough too because, you know, even with Purdy coming in, we could think that, man, he's terrific. He's this and that. But it's just really but, tough to just win the yeah. Super Bowl. But I get what they're saying where it's like, hey, Kyle, you, you know, this is what, you know, you're going with the guys that you want. So you better get these type of results. And I, and I yeah. think that's and and everybody's holding them to that standard. I mean, that was Jimmy's standard the whole time, and um, and you know, and that's that is what it is. So, um, I mean, that's that's fair if that's what you want to uh, hold them to. But but the question is, you know, do we have somebody better on the team right now? And yeah, we should always be looking for an upgrade. Um, but just because we don't have an upgrade uh, available doesn't mean we should throw away our. Super Bowl chances, even if they're slim right now, we shouldn't throw them away uh, just because our quarterback isn't a top five quarterback in the league. So, all right, awesome. Uh, on now, we got my guy Sersky. Sersky, how you doing, bro? What up, crowd? What's going on, man? Oh man, you know, just uh, chilling. I'm, disappoint I'm disappointed in you, Croc. I'm disappointed in you, bro. Why are you disappointed? <laughs> because 
I mean, this is a waste of time having him on here. But no offense to you, but it's just a waste of time because he was oh, no, no offense and wasn't making any sense because I mean he he literally sat up there and said, "Well, in this offense, if you have a good roster, all the quarterback has to do is to be serviceable and do what Kyle said, tells you what to do." Okay, how long how long have we been doing that? We've been doing that with Jimmy. Where did that get us? No shit. And now people is coming. Now people, you got people like him and other people coming in and say, "Well." Pretty, pretty is, is the future off of eight games, and then on top of that, people want to put a label on Trey and call him a bust after four games. The reason why Trey Lance is in the situation that he that he's in right now was because number one, the 49ers should have got rid of Jimmy when they drafted Trey. And number two, we can't really see what Trey can do because Trey has been hurt. Trey is not a bust because he cannot perform on the field. Trey is not a bust at all. The only reason that people are having certain uncertainties on Trey is because he's been injured and really no one. Haven't even seen him play. I mean, the type of football that 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 that, the, that Kyle Shanahan is doing is not gonna. Brock, Brock Purdy, like Brock Purdy, can't beat no Mahomes. Brock Purdy can't beat no Josh Allen. He, I mean, he. I'm sorry, he just can't. Now, Brock Purdy is a good quarterback, but like he just said, a quarterback that can work within the system and do what Kyle said. That's not gonna. That's that we've done that already. That's not gonna win us a ship. You need a quarterback to come in there that can, that do what Kyle Kyle said to do, but do even but do more. Utilize his legs on, sh- on on short down short down situations like third and one thirty two things like that, or or, or use his big arm to throw downfield. But this offense been missing that. Brock Purdy can't throw. Brock Purdy has a noodle arm. He cannot throw the ball downfield, and that's something that we've been missing for years. We've been missing that with Jimmy. We've been missing that with Nick Mullins and who, uh, who Bethard, whoever whoever the quarterback. Those those two guys are ass in a way. They they can't play no. Serski, I got a question for you. Yeah, what's up? What do you like about Brock Purdy's game? What I like about his game, he does get the ball out efficiently. He he, he does he does read the offense. But when you but when you see Brock Purdy play, Brock Purdy has been throwing a wide open, wide open guys. Like he's been throwing he's he's been throwing a ball to wide open guys. I only seen a few throws where the one to IU that he dropped against the Seattle game in the playoffs. That's probably one of the few throws I've seen that Brock Purdy throwing tight in in, in tight windows. But other than that, Brock Purdy, since he's been playing these past eight games, Kyle's been dialing up plays where he's throwing the wide open guys. If Brock, if Brock Purdy, if Brock Purdy could come in this year and, and and show that he can throw ball in tight windows, still keep the same level of play when when a Debo is out, when a Ayuk is out, when a Kittle and Ayuk is out, like when when superstar players are out, can he still keep the same level of play? I'll give you one better, Croc. He's coming back October 21st and then turn around. If he's a starter, he's going to be there September 10th to get the Steelers. Is he going to be mentally ready? Is that arm going to be ready? Is, is he going to keep the same level of play as he was? Because because in case he forgot, defense has been studying pretty. It's going to be a whole different ball game. And they and, and Mike Tomlin, Mike Tomlin is, a, is a great coach. He's a great defensive, defensive coach, and he knows how to, how to uh, use disadvantages as his strength. And he knows, he knows he, he's going to test that arm. All the Steelers are gonna do week one is stack that box and make pretty beauty with his arm. And, and we gotta see if pretty can do that. So I mean, I just gotta see it. But I'm not crowning Brock Pretty, no future franchise, no future right. nothing after no eight games. We've seen this movie before. We all got hyped up when Jimmy came in and won five games and we thought he was the future. How that panned out. The man had four touchdowns and seven INTs and four super in, in, in seven playoff games. That's not good. Brock Pretty has better playoff stats so far. But still, I'm not sold off no eight games. Everybody wants to say he, he's the he, he's good and he's that after eight games. I, I'm I'm not convinced. He if he's the starter next year, 
I got to see a whole 17 games to see, see if he can keep that same level of play. But to me, I'm, start, I'm starting Trey because Trey has a higher ceiling. He has a bigger arm, bigger body. He's more intellectual to me than Brock. And, and, he, and, and he, he adds an element to the run game as well as the passing game. Like when, when, when quarterback, like if Trey Lance engages the ball to the running backs, the ends are going to respect that. They're not going to respect that with Purdy. They know McCaffrey's getting the ball. They know Elijah Mitchell's getting the ball. But when you got Trey Lance out there and he's engaging the football, the running backs, the end's going to honor that. And that's going to open lanes up for the running game for these running backs. And also that's going to help Trey Lance when, when it comes to the passing game. That's something that we're missing. We're missing the deep ball. We're missing we're missing a, a quarterback that can be a threat in the running game. That's what we've been missing. It's added elements that, that is keeping us, that is holding us back. And us just continuing to just keep pocket-only quarterbacks and not using them to be – not using their – athleticism like a Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, that is holding us back from winning the Super Bowl. Now, you just mentioned the quarterbacks that Kyle Shanahan coached, which was with Matt Schaub, uh, uh, um, uh, Matt Ryan, all the other guys, like other other quarterbacks that, that really wasn't that good when they was in the car, they was playing good. And even with Jimmy, Jimmy not that good of a playoff quarterback, but 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 what? He won his games, right? So if it could work for them, and if it, it could work for Jimmy, and it worked for pretty for those eight games, why it can't work for Trey? So it don't make no sense, man. Like, people just hate no trade just because, man, it's just, it's just crazy, bro. And then people want to bring up Sam Donald. No, nobody was hyping up Sam Donald when he wasn't with the Niners. So now when he's with the Niners, everybody hyping him up like, like Kyle Shanahan going to resurrect him. Like, this is the most naive fan base I've ever been a part of. Y'all got to stop this shit. Like, for real, Croc. I don't want me to cuss on your show, but it just, it's just stupid, man. It just yeah. People like him just say dumb stuff all over the place. I know what he's talking about. It's just stupid. But... I cry. I I hear you, Sersky. Uh, th- thanks for calling in. We got we got uh got some more people uh, ready. I'm gonna send him. Uh, I don't think I don't think that the, a lot of these people. I don't. Think go ahead, give your take on that. I'll pull up some uh, yeah. super chats that came in as well. I mean, you know, again, I don't I don't know how all these people were open for for Brock, but but they weren't for Trey and, you know, it's always like this excuse and that excuse and that sort of thing. I think, you know, these, uh, unfortunately people that don't want to believe that Trey is, is just not that good. Um, and ultimately when it comes down to it, you need to be able to sit in the pocket and pick a team apart uh, from the pocket at some point or another, you know, running's great. Uh, all that, uh, you know, uh, other elements and that sort of thing are, are, uh, great additions to a skill set, but when it comes down to it, to win the NFL, you have to be able to stand in the pocket and pick a team apart. Uh, and when Trey Lance can't even complete fifty-five percent of his passes in a Trey Sh- or in a Kyle Shanahan offense, um, I, that's very hard to do. I will um, say because we we do say that, and we kind of. There are some things where I, I get it. Like, overall, you would like to see a higher completion percentage. But I do think if you kind of just look at it, you could see a scenario where he completes higher higher than that. All right, so let's, hypothetically speaking, Carlos game, completed around 50% of his passes or whatever mm-hmm. it was, 52, was not great. Then he goes and plays the, mm-hmm. the Houston Texans, and he completes mm-hmm. 70% of his passes, right? So, so we see that, right? Then the next time we see him, it's the week one of preseason against the the Green Bay Packers. He completes four out of five passes, uh, which is, what, 80% of his passes, including a 75-yard touchdown, right? Then the next time we see him against the Texans in the preseason, which was crazy as well 
It was weird. I thought his, his tackles were trash, but he completed, what, 7 out of 11 passes. Now, he missed some. He missed some passes, but he completed 7 out of 11. That's higher than 50%. Then the mm -hmm. first game against Chicago, that's next time we see him, and again, I'm just talking about completion percentage. We could talk about in the Packers game, there were some throws that weren't as accurate and stuff like that, right, that caused maybe uh, – who was he? Threw it to the flats, and it was like – it wasn't as accurate. It stopped the yeah. uh, running catch opportunity. But then you go week one, and he missed that big throw to the tight end. But heading into the fourth quarter, he completed 8 out of 15 – or 8 out of 14 passes heading mm -hmm. into the fourth quarter, 8 out of 14. Higher, higher than 50%. It wasn't until the monsoon where balls started flying all over the place. He had some drops as well in that contribute. So, again, I, I get it that on, when you just look at stats, it says that. But if you take everything into consideration, what we've seen from him, it has been higher than 50%. Yeah. But, again, I, I think because it's such a small sample size, you have to, like, kind of look here. Look, oh, well, look what happened in this game. Oh, right. Look, bench cold in this game. And I think that kind of – overall drops that down. But just from what I've seen, and that's kind of my pushback a lot of times, mm. I, I don't see a quarterback that's not able to play. Like, that's kind of the – and I've seen a guy no, no, no. And needs to grow, yeah. but all the things that you drafted him to be, even not so much as a super des designed runner to be Lamar Jackson, but I think he has ran much better than he's given credit for. I mean, there were games – there were plays in the – Chicago game, where hey, fourth or third and thirteen, what do you do? Take off for a first down. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Uh, there's times when uh, fourth and ten against the Seattle Seahawks, fourth and ten, he drops back, pressure comes immediately, he steps up, slides up, shakes a guy, runs for a first down. So the legs and ability is definitely there. It's just he's just not Lamar, and he hasn't been great with design runs. So I see that, but in the sense why, of everything why do you think he be able to utilize? I think he has shown the ability, but it's just been inconsistent and it's been tough because it's such a small sample size. Right. Well, and you know, you go back to let's the, the three complete games that he started, he the offense has averaged 13 points a game in those in those complete games that he started. So, you know, why do you think why do you think that they're averaging such a low number? In the sense of like what what what, what you like okay, why can't so, they score points? I think he struggled to score. I mean, we saw him get stopped on the one yard line against Arizona. I saw Kyle Shanahan go for it, probably the most I've ever seen. You had Kyle Uzcheck during scoring position. Kyle Uzcheck gets under center and has a brain fart and does the quarterback sneak when he was supposed to pitch it to the quarterback with the uh with the receiver and Trent Williams pulling, which would have been an easy touchdown if not Trey Lance maybe run in for a touchdown. All right, so you have like that. That kind of took points off the board. Again, getting stopped on the one-inch line, that took points off the board. The inability to kind of move the ball, right? And then you look at the Texans game. He actually did score points, uh, 23 points or whatever it was. And then you look at the Bears game. I think it was very clear the elements had a big hand in it, including uh, uh, Debo Samuel fumbling inside the five. That takes points mm -hmm. off the board. That is a potential touchdown, right? Now, he missed the touchdown throw, so that hurt him. But then even uh, going to the next game against Seattle, where first drive, he goes down, they get points. Second drive, they're going down, they're about to get points, and then he gets hurt. So I think there are opportunities there, but again, it really comes down to, I even me, I have to look at, well, this happened, this happened, and look at this and this, because I think he just hasn't played enough. 
But we can right. clearly look at maybe why. Like you asked why. And I'm saying, man, Arizona, they didn't convert enough on fourth down. Uh, and the other game, for the most part, is the Bears game, which turned into a monsoon, and they fumbled inside the five. And he, I mean, like, there's reasons as to why. I don't think he's, I don't think he's not able to score points. Like, I didn't get that vibe. I see. I think. I mean, to me, the accuracy was something that was that was talked about his first preseason, and it's you know, and it's carried through. And I, I think that um, that they bend over backwards to try to give him throws that are going to be there to complete. And, um, and even doing that, his, his numbers are what, what they are, but, you know, people are, are kind of acting perplexed as to why they don't really like Trey Lance and why they aren't going to give him a chance and that sort of thing. And it, that's one of the reasons is he has accuracy issues. And, um, and so again, I mean, we could talk about it um, over and over, but, you know, to me, again, Kyle Shannon, the, the ability to throw deep, you know, you know, there's there's film of Purdy throwing at 50 yards uh, in the air. Um, you know, if you're going to I don't know how often a quarterback throws it further further than that uh, in a game. But, you know, 95 percent of Kyle Shanahan's offense, especially uh, is going to be, you know, short and intermediate throws and being accurate and on time uh, with those throws. And and so that's what he's going to prioritize, not big playability. Kyle Shanahan wants to control the game from the offensive uh, side of the ball and uh, and move the change, uh, control time of possession. Uh, in order to do that, you need to be able to be accurate, short and intermediate throws, uh, make the right reads. And that's why, um, you know, he likes Purdy as opposed to someone who might have a little bit more big playability. But when you get into the red zone, uh, the playbook is going to shrink because you don't all of a sudden now you don't have that deep threat. And now the defense doesn't have to worry about that. They can focus in on what's in front of them. Uh, and Trey Lance has got to be accurate and on time. And that's where he struggles. And to me, that's where uh, a lot of the issues been uh, have been with regard to the offense scoring points in his starts. You're not going to beat a lot of teams scoring 13 points a game. Um, so anyways, Oh, uh, Chris, your 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 thoughts on this? Uh, I, well, <laughs> I, I, you you gave him context, and he totally neglected that and went back to his own belief. So a little cognitive cognitive dissonance is kicking in with him. But I, I actually, goal line, I they didn't really let Trey throw the ball that much in goal line situations. So I don't, I'm not sure where he's talking about Trey Lance accuracy being an issue when it comes to the goal line specifically. As you said many a times, we did actually score against the Texans, and we had a touchdown taken back. And then against, what, the Cardinals, I mean, he tried to run in for a touchdown, uh, and he got stopped. It was a great play by the defense. And uh, against the Bears, I mean, Debo fumbled. So I, I'm not sure where he's getting the inaccuracies, causing the issues to why we're not scoring in a goal line. I mean, when before even before even Purdy came in, Jimmy Garoppolo on the offense actually struggled in the goal line. Uh, I also heard him talk about processing. Actually, Jimmy Garoppolo is a better processor than uh, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy, if you actually just look at a specific game, right. and if you actually watch the game and you see Purdy almost threw four interceptions, I, I, I mean, missed four touchdowns. He missed four touchdowns in that Seattle game. 
anybody can go verify it. Go rewatch the game. He struggled. Uh, he, it was at least two to three interceptions dropped in that Seattle game. His processing, he's a – first off, this is a Brock Purdy fan talking here too. I've been in spaces. Chris I does love Brock Purdy. Like, he does love Brock Purdy. Like, we, I want to know why – He loves well, I want to know why – Hold on, Flav. Hold on, Flav. Hold on, Flav. All right. All right. Uh, and, and so it, it, it's been many a times where Brock Purdy's got a pass picked off. Certain things, you know, got called back. Uh, but but I specifically, because I like to be specific on, on what I say, that Seattle game, his processing actually was not elite. He's I, I do believe Brock Purdy can make plays. Don't get going. Don't get it twisted. I argue it all the time, but I'm not. I can't let you get away with saying all of this stuff that is just doesn't kind of make sense. But I, I'm. I just want to bring this up to you because this is the, my main thing and why I came on here. You said that. I mean, I've seen your tweets. I've I've seen you on Jesse's show. I've seen you on. Uh, other shows before mainly jesse shows though and you talk about how you just don't think trey lance is the guy i seen you in the comment section you call him a bus right so no and, and and how you know you knew from one game that brock purdy was just this amazing quarterback you knew it before shanahan knew it but i want to say this you 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 deem trey lance a bust after four games i, I would no. like to i would like to bring up some stuff to you okay so, in four games, Peyton Manning, three touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 55%. You would have called him a bust. Matthew Stafford, no. three touchdowns, three touchdowns, six interceptions, 56% of his passes. You would have called him a bust. Steve Young, two touchdowns, six interceptions, completed 50% of his passes. Guess what? You would have called him a bust. Josh Allen, two touchdowns, four interceptions, completed 53% of his passes. You would have called him a bust. All of them teams struggled to score. All of them completed under uh, completed fifty five percent or under. So, play. I want to know. You see, uh, where you see, you see all of them? Tell me. Tell me where I've called him a bust. Tell me where I've called I, him a I've bust. Seen, hold on. I've seen you. I've seen, first of all on this show. You said he's not a very good quarterback. First off. Mm -hmm. Second of all. Second of right. all. I've seen you in Jesse comments call him a bust. I, I will. I mean, there's many. I've people, never called him a bust. There's, I, I, there's if, many. There's many people. There's many. You will people not find anything on me. Call me. Call this, calling him a bust. First of okay, all, okay, because okay. Well, first off, first off, you said he's not a very good quarterback. I mean, that's that's pretty much implies he's a bust. Second, one hundred percent. No, because okay, I've okay, I've always so, said in three so, years. In three years, we we don't know what he's going to be in three years. Right now, I think we should know what he is. I think the Niners know exactly what he is. And unfortunately, that's not a very good quarterback. That's why he's competing for QB two with Sam Darnold right now. Okay, so so I, I gave you the numbers on all those other quarterbacks in four games. Mm -hmm. They're not a very good quarterback either. Mm -hmm. No, I'm saying. I mean, how many of those quarterbacks were playing on a NFC Championship roster? Again, again, those. Uh, well, Josh Allen was playing on a playoff team. So again, I, I want I want to know those quarterbacks were they not very good? They're not very. Josh good Allen's team made made the playoffs win. They did make the, the playoffs the year prior to yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the year prior to him. Yeah, yeah. So, so again, so again, so they made the playoffs and they drafted him and played. Then they didn't make the playoffs. I, right, give, but give literally you, the team the Lance played on those teams oh, went. Play, the play, play, play. Hold on, hold on. That play, year, play. You, you've been, you've been quoted talking really crazy about Trey Lance again. I watched the shows. I seen you in the comment section. Okay, we're not going to argue that. I want to know those quarterbacks that I just named. Were they not mm. good quarterbacks? Oh, they were good quarterbacks, and you know. But I think you also have so to don't look you, at. Don't you think your your early um, 
your early uh what do you call it uh analysis of Trey is kind of flawed and it's kind of not fair to really go in on a quarterback who's barely who barely I mean it's really 3.5 games don't you think so because man I mean I could only imagine what you would have said about Peyton Manning because he was the worst three touchdowns 11 interceptions 55 percent I mean my god my dude I, you would have went in on Peyton Manning the four games again Peyton Manning's team was awful his team hey, was bro. terrible Hey, bro. And, you know, he also – he didn't have the – and uh, one of the best rosters in the league and Kyle Shanahan trying to uh, just draw up wide-open guys for him and still made it look that difficult. That's been oh, Trey. Okay, okay. So, again, as I said, Josh Allen played on the team that made the playoffs the year before. He's mm. And, he's and who did they lose? Who did they lose in that offseason? Who did they lose? I, listen, we're, we're not going into the super specifics, like, because you you don't right, have to Because do teams land. change year to year. No, teams no, change no, year to no, year. No, yeah, they, they, they do. Were, they were still, they were still, they pretty much still had the same players. They just lost, I mean, well, I think uh, Tyrod Taylor became the backup or he just was gone. No, he was gone. He went to the, uh, he went hmm. to the Browns. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so at the end of the day, I just, I'm just asking They also lost their entire offensive I'm, I'm line just, pretty I'm much. Just, like three I'm out of five asking, of them. I'm just asking you a question. I'm just asking you a question. And I'm answering you. The t- the, his, their team sucked. No, 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 no. Again, Josh Allen team didn't suck. So you're uh, you're caught in the yeah, line. Yeah, they did. They didn't. They made the playoffs the year before. You, you're getting sweaty, huh? Yeah, because you, you're getting caught up. You're getting caught up. <laughs> not getting That's sweaty. Getting I'm not getting sweaty. I just told you they lost three of five no, of their I offensive see. linemen. And you you're talking about the year before. I'm here. talking you about this year. You and and the years that, that Trey Lance played, his teams were you, NFC championship you know, you know, caliber no, he did, he didn't offenses, have, he didn't have and Christian he still McCaffrey. can't complete more than fifty-five percent of his passes. So Wait, did he have Christian you know, McCaffrey? Did he have Christian McCaffrey? Did he have George Kittle? Did he have Trent Williams? Those no, are, those, he had those Debo and Ayuk, and those play a huge part in the offense. Trent Williams, what? They put those play a huge part in the offense. I mean, mm. we Jimmy went to a Super Bowl without CMC. Who? And an NFC championship. Who went so, to the Super Bowl? Was Jimmy. Uh, how did he go to the Super Bowl? What did he do? Well, he, he did it without CMC. No, what did he do? Uh, He won games. I think he threw for uh 28 touchdowns and 13 interceptions that year. Yeah, actually, that, that 2019, he had 22 total turnovers. Which another thing I, I want to talk about is going to the ups and downs. We went into a lot of ups and downs with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. He had 40 rating oh, that year over a hundred. I didn't cut you and off. He had about forty plus turnovers. Well, he had forty, but he had about about forty plus turnovers playing with the 49ers. But back to what I'm saying. No, what did Jimmy do in the playoffs to get us to the Super Bowl? I mean, because you said it, he got us to the Super Bowl. So I don't. I don't get. It. If Trey is so good, why does no, why, no, why no, do the no, Niners no, no, only said, only want him to compete Jimmy, with Darnold for? Quarterback too. Hey, you backed yourself into this corner. You said this is not a corner. You're not telling me anything. Super Bowl. You said Jimmy got to the Super Bowl without Christian McCaffrey. I'm asking you, what did he do? What do you mean? What did he do? What did he do? He touched the ball on offense more than any other player. He He led the the team. He led the. He handed the ball off, right? He did what it took to win the game. What are you talking about? What did he do to win the game? What did he do to win the Packers game? This this last year at home at home. The Super Bowl year, I can't. I, I honestly, I don't even remember. Um, oh, but yeah. I, I you know, know that he played well enough to win. Hey, Croc, hey, I rest my case. I rest my case. He didn't. What? Because I don't remember what Jimmy did in a group baby. I remember four he, years ago. He completed. He completed six of eight. 
He completed six of eight passes. He had a running back that ran for over 230 mm -hmm. yards and four touchdowns. And did then he throw, did he throw an interception to put the game out of reach? Did he throw an interception to put the game out of reach in the fourth play, quarter? Because that's I'm, what Trey did versus play, the Bears, the worst play, team I'm, in the I'm NFL. Refreshing your memory, Flay. You know, I'm refreshing. Okay, I'm refreshing. you just told me six of eight. Because you're not a big fan like that, it seems like. And then against the Vikings, after I mean he did have a touchdown drive, right? The first, the very first drive. Then he tried to throw three interceptions. He threw one. What did Shanahan do? Ran ran the ball like twenty-two plus times, and he had another mm. running back that went over a hundred. How many? How many did they? What did they win like that game by? Touchdowns. What did they win that and, game by? Well, the defense, the defense sacked Kirk Cousins uh, seven times, and the and the, uh, so why are, the the why are they going to throw the ball? Points at the end of the day. Why are they going to throw the ball? You couldn't tell me what Jimmy G did to get to the Super Bowl. You said he got to the Super Bowl without Christian McCaffrey. I asked you I get, why. There's a reason why. He made the necessary there's plays. Team, you just told me he was six for eight in one of those games. Team, he was almost perfect. He got team, eight opportunities. He completed six of them. It don't be a casual. The team around him, the team around him was exceptional, elite. And okay. the, and then well, when, it, when it, wait, wait, wait. When, right. When, but they didn't have CMC. When, didn't have when, when, it, when it was time for him to win a game, when it was time for him to win a game in the mm. Super Bowl, he had the worst, he had the worst fourth quarter of all time. I'm gonna leave yeah. you with this stat. I'm about to leave. I'm about to leave. I'm gonna leave you with this stat. The Niners are the Niners are three and zero when Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't throw a touchdown pass in the playoffs. Mm. I rest my how heart. many how yeah. many how many game winning drives has Trey led in his lifetime? Uh he he uh, uh. The answer is zero. Trey's never led a game-winning drive in his entire life. And these people think he's going to come out there with his 50% completion rating and can't even beat the Bears, throwing picks in the fourth quarter to lose the game. And somehow he's going to know how to lead a game-winning drive versus a, a team with a winning record. It's just, you know, maybe wait until he actually beats a team with a winning record. I don't care if he throws the ball four times or zero times. Beat a team with a winning record. And show that you can actually lead the team to a victory playing quarterback versus a good team instead of losing games that we should win with any roster versus the Bears who have guys that we literally dropped beating us because you can't uh, complete a pass to our team and are throwing it away to the other team, setting them up for a, a, a touchdown that puts the game out of reach. And then, you know, and then come back and talk to me. So, you know, that's that's the kind of the uh, the crazy things like. I've never seen a group of people support someone so loyally who has literally thrown for 250 yards one time as in, in his entire life, never led a game-winning drive his entire life, never beaten a team with a winning record in the NFL, own team, likes him enough to make him compete for QB2 with Sam Darnold. Uh, you know, show me who, who uh, thinks that this guy is going to be great, that is involved with the team who has more information um, than us. And maybe I'll change my opinion, but until I see some actual evidence that I should be changing my opinion, I'm going to stick with it because um, you know, his, his college tape uh, is, you know, to me, it's, we, we don't know what it is in terms of uh, the talent he was playing against. Uh, but when he's gotten to the NFL, it hasn't looked good. I hear we got Tyron. He says, crack. He says you're getting cooked. I don't think you're getting, I think you hold your own. You got people that are coming at you for, for just, you know, your opinion and they give their opinion. But I think you yeah. hold your own. I think it's, it's good stuff right now. But we got Niner guy coming on now. So, Niner guy. Uh, and this is not, it feels like one of those, uh, 
it feels like one of those, you know, the the the, the comedians they have like that roast thing where somebody stands up there, then everybody just throws jabs. Yeah. At hey, but you hold your own. But I I I do have a a one thirty haircut that I got to get to, so um, hey, I'm, I'm gonna make it quick. I'm gonna make right, it all quick. Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't want any smoke, man. You know, I I just coming on here. Uh, it sounds like everybody else had more coffee than me this morning. Uh, <laughs> but hey, look, I'm a I'm a Niner fan. I like Brock and I like Lance, so it's no big deal to me. But I think I think for the most part, I think people aren't really looking at uh, some key stuff here. And then I also say I wouldn't even believe all the stuff in the media. I think that's got a lot of people real hype right now. Um, Trey's only have four games, three and a half, as the guy mentioned. The guy before made some really good points. Three and a half games. Even Brock, as great as he played, they're going to be defenses that are going to be scheming up on him. And, you know, while we've got a great roster and everything, and I think personally I feel like Shanahan and Lynch, they're vested in Trey, right? So they're going to make sure – they're going to make sure that during training camp uh, Trey gets all the reps that he needs um, to ensure that he gets – they get a good assessment as to who he's going to be and how he's developed. Now, I will say this. If Brock misses one game – Brock misses one game and Trey gets in there and he balls. All I've ever seen Shanahan do, historically speaking, is play the hot hand. Like, that's what he does. So if he gets out there and he plays well and he wasn't the reason, he don't even necessarily need to be the reason why they uh, won. But as long as he, as long as they win, then he can add on to that the next game. And I think Trey's got that in him. He's got that dog in him. But we don't know, and I think that's and, and not a guy. I'm gonna get to the next caller. I appreciate you coming on. And I think what what Flav is saying is we might feel that way about Lance, but he's saying there's nothing that really supports that outside right. of the one win against. Yeah, Houston. and but there's nothing you know, that supports people, that. I just want to get this in too. If if Trey proves me wrong, I will be the first to get up and say I was wrong, you know, and apologize, and you know, and uh, you know, I'm not going to disappear or whatever. All these people say that I will disappear. I will not. I will apologize if uh, and and admit that I'm wrong. Uh, but I'm not going to sit here and rely on you know cross my fingers and hope that this guy is good that hasn't um, you know seemingly impressed his own teammates and coaching staff. I mean, um, you know, you would think you would do that in two years. Uh, Flav. And you said you have a haircut that you're about to go get. So I'm yeah. assuming that you have a hairline because you got somebody here says, there we go. He took his hat off. Flav has hair. So we can, uh, we kind of did that. But Flav, no Flav, I appreciate that yeah. contribution. Uh, do you got enough time for, for one more caller? Uh, all right. One more, one more. Got to be, got to right. be quick. All right. Here we go. One more. Oh man. We've had some people patiently, patiently, patiently waiting. Uh, C- CJ, how, how you doing? Uh, CJ, what's up, man? What's up, Flav? Hey, how you doing? Man? I've been, I've been going, been going back and forth in the comments and stuff. And the thing that's real extreme to me is that anybody has a strong take one way or another about anybody. Brock Purdy's played eight games. Trey Lance has played four games, and so I just. I, I don't know. It's real over the top to say, well, Brock is great and he's the new franchise guy or 
Trey's a bust and he can't play and or or people just coming out saying, man, Trey's going to be great and put him out there and, and he's going to do all these fantastic things. I just don't know. I don't know yeah. that. I can't say anybody really knows that for sure. Yeah. It's just too small of a sample size either way to even really know that. Now, yeah. the whole gauge of what the 49ers have been doing as far as having them compete with Sam Darnold and, 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 and proclaiming Brock as a starter and all that other stuff, that just leads everybody to conjecture based what that actually means. Mm-hmm. Now, it would be great for me as a fan that we gave up three potential franchise-changing players for Trey Lance by, with this trade, and none of us in this fan base has seen him play more than four games. After, and he, he's going, going into season three, and that's, that's a frustrating thing, and that's a mm-hmm. polarizing thing, and that's a fan-dividing div- thing. Mm-hmm. And, and typically, so, no matter who you are, when you're drafted third overall, you just get more of an opportunity to just show that you stink, right? One way or the I'm, other. I'm like, listening. I'm listening. Hold on. I'm listening. So, and, and I see, I know that's where you're kind of going with it, but typically it's like, you know, number three overall pick, let's say Jamarcus Russell. You got to see him for more than four games. Or yeah, we got more. to see him. We got you know, to confirm see him that he won't do years. it. Right, like, you know, so I think that's the unique situation with this where um, I think Trey Lance would have more of that opportunity if Brock Purdy didn't come in and play as well as he did. So I think that kind of threw off this entire situation because I like, oh, well, I uh, got this little guy. That was seven, the last pick in the draft, but he played well. He earned the opportunity to be the starter week one. And I, I'm not pushing back on that. I, I don't think most people are. Um, but it just sucks for Lance where it's like, well, damn, how am I going to get my opportunity now? And I, I don't know if he will unless somebody gets hurt. And so I agree with that. And, you know, and I was just going to say, yeah, this is why I appreciate CJ. Like, I, I know CJ, and, like, he's very um, just – uh, like logical with everything and open-minded and he's not just, you know, biased one way or the other. I think, you know, uh, and everything you said is fair, you know, and I think for me personally, I, I, I feel like there's a greater chance of Brock not being uh, good this year uh, than there is of Trey being good this year, frankly. Um, that's, but that's my opinion. I think, again, I just don't see how Trey Lance is, going to be good anytime soon when the way that he needs to be good is to get a ton of reps. And and I'm not talking about like eight games. I'm talking about like three years of games to be good. And so that's where it's unrealistic to me to, um, you know, I think he's going to be gone by the time he might be good because they're not going to pay his his contract uh, with what he's yeah, and that's the and that's the problem that we really that's the problem that we really are overlooking is that we're in year three, we don't know, they don't know, and then mm-hmm. usually after year three, you have to make a decision on this fifth year option, mm-hmm. and right now you just you just haven't seen enough to where you can you can really make a decision on that, and so now going through this going through this lumps and stuff like that what if the lumps you come out on the other side of the lumps and it's and it's still lumps it's still real lumpy, right it's still bumpy and now 
you got to make this decision on a contract. And I think that's, I think the timeline has gotten to the point where from an organizational standpoint, they're not sure if they want to continue to invest time into it because, because of these contractual um, things coming up. And I don't know if it's entirely just about whether or not it's Trey a good player or a bad player at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, and, um, you know, I just, uh, um, you know, I think to personally, my feeling would be if you're going to go with Trey, they should blow up the team right now. Trade, trade all these guys with value for picks, start rebuilding. So maybe in three years, you're coming back around again with a young team. And, you know, by that time you got Trey ready to go. But from my standpoint, personally, um, uh, you're going to miss this window uh, in, in three years. Um, so we, we don't entirely know that that it'll take that long. We just right now, from my standpoint, I just feel like we're stuck in a, in a place of uncertainty. Yeah, because I, I, I do. I don't think that's, that. And, and I don't think it would take three years. I, I think it would take three years. I, I'll say this: for him to become the full like potential of, or that he might be right, like that might take "quote unquote" three years. But if I look at Jalen Hurts, I don't think Jalen Hurts is near where he potentially can be, right? And it's been three years. He had his rookie year um, where he started five games or whatever. Ultimately, got benched for Nate Sudfield. Year two, he played. Year three, he played. And they're still like, all right, we want to develop this aspect of his game. But even within doing that, they were able to go to the playoffs multiple times and the Super Bowl. So I'm not saying that would be Trey Lance's timeline, but I can't see a scenario where he's still not 100% where we want or need him to be, but he can be good enough to where, hey, we're still we're winning games with this because, well, I do do these things very well, even though – there's still other parts that I'm of my game that I'm still learning. And that might be something where you see the best version of him year six, year seven, year eight. And I think that would actually align with a lot of quarterbacks' timelines, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, Croc, man, I, I got to run. I'm yeah. already 10 minutes late. I'm sorry, but uh, CJ, thanks, man. And, and uh, Croc, dude, thank you so much for having me on. Um, if, if, uh, you want you want to have an, another call in show and let all these people uh, uh, yeah. talk shit to me? Uh, I'm cool with it, man. Hopefully Just it doesn't up. go. Hopefully it doesn't go that way. Hopefully the next time you call in, uh, you know it goes in your favor and in the sense oh, of I'm good with Rock it, man. Party's I love playing it. very well, and you come on here and you can pound your chest and uh, you tell. Oh man, dude. It's, I, either way, man, I love it, man. So I just um, I just wanted I to close out with one thing. Um, the fan base, everybody in this chat. Because somebody has a different opinion than you does not mean that person is a racist or a clown. I would love it if we can have these discussions sticking to the point of just talking about football and get out of these places of personal insults towards people. If we could just please do that. Thanks. Very well said, CJ. Appreciate Thanks, you CJ. coming on as well. Thanks, Flav. Thanks, All CJ. Right, Later, guys. All right. Now, we do got one more person that's been waiting for a long time. And I got to bring him on. And we'll just hear his thoughts on this conversation. I feel like uh, he's the the voice of reason for this show. Then I'll get to the Super Chats. I see all the Super Chats. And I'm like, damn, I need to 
bring on more controversial people, man. Most super chats haven't gotten on no how long. All right, so I see all the super chats. We're definitely gonna get to those. I appreciate all of y'all and everybody that's in here right now. But uh gamut, my chicken is fine. I have my wife <laughs> so no chickens were harmed in the making of this video. Uh I don't know if what I was trying to do with bring him on uh necessarily worked. Ultimately, you know, I have my opinion and how I see the game, how I see players, how I see player development. Uh, sometimes it might differ from other people. How I, you know, see Nick Mullins and, and Brock Purdy and stuff, right? That might differ. So I do like to bring on someone that has a strongly different opinion on similar topics. And I thought it would be good for him to kind of get that out Uh not on Twitter, because I know his persona on Twitter. Yeah. But, you know, it started to go a little south at the end. But overall, man, what were your thoughts on it? Uh, it would have been nice to see that same exact same persona that we see on Twitter, that we see him utilize on the keyboard um, here live. I think that was a big draw. Flav, if you're listening, this is all constructive criticism, especially coming from somebody who is absolutely timid and paranoid and doesn't like um, doing this. I actually do this for personal and professional growth. And I want to give a big shout out to Mrs. Crocker because you've been allowing this man on here for over an hour and a half. I know there are things going on in the household. You're probably going like, when is this man going to come out of that computer room? I hate that thing. Want to burn down. Yeah, yeah, I got another podcast I'm about to get on in 15 minutes. 15 minutes. And then I have locked on 49ers uh, in at what uh, four Pacific, uh, six my time. So I'm going to be in here for a little while. I just want to eat my chicken, but yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the, <laughs> the only other thing too, and this, again, this is like constructive criticism because what I usually do is I'm really, really hard on myself after it's like, after we get off here and we're done, um, the people may not know this, but I'll probably watch this a good 10 to 15 times and pick apart everything that I did that I did wrong. And I just tear myself down. So when I misspell uh, people's names or I get facts wrong or you ever done this where you say like a word or someone's name and you you you, you were thinking of a different name, but somehow a wrong name. I don't know what that is, but that only happens when the light in the camera is in your face, like staring in their direction. 100 percent. But I said, you know, one time and somebody killed me on Twitter and I read the comments and I'm like. It was an honest mistake. Right. And I said Talanoa Hufunga really in the same within two sentences. I said, you know, USC, Talano Hufunga, blah, blah, blah. But when, you know, he's at UCLA, he did this. So I asked, I said he went to USC. And then I accidentally said that, I accidentally said UCLA. I don't know why, right? Right. Oh, I got killed on Twitter for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you they did. didn't tag me, but they were just like, man, these people are supposed to know what they talk about. And and uh, they said that Talano Hufunga went to UCLA. And I'm like, and then I saw like the comments and they're like, because I'm like, oh, I know I didn't say that. I know he went to USC. Right. And now I'm reading the comments and they were like, well, you know, it wasn't Peacock, you know, but it was on Locked On. He's supposed to know, blah, blah. And I'm like, it was me. So I went back and listened and it was like, dude, you clearly missed the part where I said USC. Then I accidentally, it was, a, it was an honest mistake. And I think those things happen. So when going live, yeah. when you don't say something exactly how you mean to say it or you want to, you can't beat yourself up over it because the people, they're going to come for you regardless. They come for me all the time in my comments, but you just have to like, okay, and and, and move on. Yeah. And that was something um, that I, I definitely 
I because I, I do I, I monitor a lot of your pages and I see how you react and how you respond to that and I take a lot from that as somebody who doesn't purposely put themselves out there a lot I haven't had a lot of um uh dealings with that so it's it's always good to kind of see how someone deals with that speaking of which um there's reasons why we listen to different podcasters and vlogs and, and everything else and, and we watch different people and personalities and um one of the things since I can't really interview Flav I really always kind of wanted to interview you on this and I feel like it's something somewhat similar we can tie it similar to to Trey and Brock but I it is going to be different because we're talking about defensive backs and quarterbacks. And you do. One of the things that I really like about whenever I get a chance to either, you know, shoot a tweet over at Kurt Warner or, or someone like you, what I like about your guys' background is that you've played competitively at just about every single level that there can be. One of my favorite questions was asking you, what's the difference between, you know, this football league versus the NFL versus division two, versus you know, division one, you know, double A, three A, you know, all that stuff. Like you actually know because you experienced it. What I wanted to ask you is this: you do you you coach kids, right? And, and you do so. So not only is it something that you've done, but it's still something that you're actively taking a part of. You're 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 making sure that they have the right techniques, and everything else, and the the mental warfare, the mental frame to be ready to kind of go into the next section or phase in their life uh, in a competitive sense. When you coach kids that are talented and raw versus coaching a kid who's fundamentally sound. And I think this is something a lot of the viewers don't really take into account when, when we're talking with you and, and how you evaluate defensive backs who are, who are going to be, you know, in the pro football, you know, draft. But what is that conversation like with the parents, right? Like, cause I got to imagine like there, there's a little bit of tiptoeing because they're paying you probably pretty good bread to coach their kids. But at the same time, there has to be a, a level of honesty and contrite in, in, in what you're, what's kind of going on. And then, and then how do you see that pan out when you watch these kids? I'm sure you still follow them as they grow um, with that. A, a lot of it is from the jump, talking to the parents about what they want for their child, you know? So everybody's kind of situations are different with how they view their child. Like, you know, some parents will tell you straight up, ah, I know my kid might not play after high school, but at least can we get him to have a good high school experience playing ball, you know, start multiple years, et cetera. Uh, there are some kids and there's some kids out here in Arkansas that I've, I've trained where I look at them and I'm like, dude, you don't know how talented you are. Like you should have SEC schools knocking at your door right now trying to get you, but your work ethic, like you got to get these things down. You got to do this. Shoot, this kid, uh, uh, KV on Brown, KB, KB, 6'2", 185-pound freshman receiver, fluid mover, all that. But it's like, I need you to buy into, like, training. And some of these guys, the issue is with guys that are just naturally more talented. They've been able to get by more on either their size or just their ability. So those are the kids that don't focus as much on the details. So where you really win is when you get a kid that has the size, the ability, and also focuses on the details because eventually it'll click and, and he'll get it and then he'll be what you think he can potentially be. Uh, but as far as other kids, a lot of times you just never know how far they'll go um, until you actually see it happen. And that might be like, uh, you know, Trey Lance and Brock Purdy, right? Like 6'4", 225 pounds, runs well, cannon of an arm. It's like, okay, 
we could just get him to buy into doing these things. But then there's the other kid, barely, you know, not even six one, uh, you know, two hundred and twelve pounds or whatever, doesn't have a big arm. But a lot of those guys have to have to rely on the mental aspect of things, doing things the right way, and you know, being gritty, all those things that Brock Purdy is and brings to the table, being the great leader, right? So that's why you see him hit the ground running. It's like, man, I've had to rely on being this guy as opposed to somebody that has more talent. And sometimes that's why you see the more talented guy, like even a Josh Allen, where it just takes time. Um, as opposed to if he were, you know, Mac Jones who came into the league and was already a damn near 70% passer. So uh, uh, the more talented guys, you typically see them early on lean more on their ability and things that you can't teach as opposed to the guys that might not be as physically gifted. And I say that, with no disrespect to Brock Purdy, I think he was like Mr. Arizona or something like that. So, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And and um, one of the things too, I want to say is that when I when I'm looking at Brock or when I'm looking at Trey, I like to do I like to grade him like a peer first peer evaluation. I think Brock in his draft class, I think was head and shoulders as far as the amount of starts they had. So you look at his like first seven starts, um, head and shoulders above anybody else in that class. When I look at Trey. And his three and a half games, right? He was actually doing uh, a lot better than uh, his peers drafted out of that same draft class uh, that that were there, uh, kind of in there. So I, I don't like to do an apples and oranges to uh, comparison. I keep talking, I'm just talking about laptop uh, charging. Absolutely, absolutely. But one of the things that I, I do, one of the things is you can definitely see Brock's experience when it comes down to in relation to the nuance of throwing, right. Looking off linebackers, safeties, that sort of thing. It's, it's really remarkable. Cause we still have to remember he's, he's, he's just a, like really like a freshman, you know, he hasn't even had a full season, no matter how we want to categorize it. Um, and even the 49ers brain trust was saying, you know, they didn't even see or know what they had in Brock Purdy, which makes sense. Cause he was the last pick in the draft. So kudos to whatever scout said, Hey, you need to just draft this guy. Hopefully that guy got like a nice $25,000, $30,000 bonus um, for, for picking that. But when I, when I look at what I look at uh, Trey Lance is that you can sometimes tell what throw that he's going to make um, the, the whole processing part. I didn't like how they said he couldn't process anything. I actually think Trey's post snap processing ability is better than that of Sam Darnold's. What I like about Trey Lance is that he's able to make those throws even when the defense is able to anticipate those throws. And those are the kind of throws that you're going to have to make in a playoff atmosphere. It felt to me a little bit, and again, we're picking apart small sample sizes. Um, and really, this could be, when I, when I look at this, this 49ers quarterback room and I'm looking at Trey Lance and I'm looking at Brock Purdy, in a weird way, I kind of see something similar um, for, with the Chargers. When the Chargers had Drew Brees and they had uh, Philip Rivers, Philip Rivers, yeah, and and you're just kind of seeing, um, you know, Brock Purdy in that Drew Brees role, and then you're seeing, you know, Trey Lance in that in that Philip Rivers um, kind of role, uh, which you know that it might be kind of a Drew Brees, Philip Rivers light. Um, but I, I definitely see something there uh, similar. But, but again, um, when I look at the way that the Seahawks are stacking up their secondary, and I love the way that they've been drafting their secondary, I, it, it actually pains me to say that 
uh, Croc, I don't know how you feel about some of the secondary talent that they've been recruiting over the years, but I've looked at that. And I'm going like, eventually it's going to take an arm to beat that kind of secondary because I could see them after this season. If, if some of those guys work out um, that then they, they do kind of what they did in 2011, which is then just bet the farm, bring in anybody who has any kind of pass rushing ability and then just play eight or nine in the box and, and just be devastating again. But I, I don't know. Am I, am I way off on that? Am I, am I over, Am I over crediting what, who they've drafted? I, I think that the offset is Kyle Shanahan and his ability to put players in conflict, regardless of who you have in the secondary or at the linebacker position. But there's a person that I feel like might be able to answer this question a little bit better. All right. And we got my guy Shunder Boy, aka Niner, uh, Niner Nerd Pod. All right. So you got a podcast, Niner Nerd Podcast? It'll be coming out in about three weeks. Let's go. I'm going to try to get it started at the beginning of training camp. I'm putting some videos together now um, that I'm putting kind of behind the scenes on a, a channel that I'm getting going on YouTube, but it, nothing is actually launched or effective. I just want to kind of make sure I have the names right and stuff like that. And I've gone through a couple of iterations and uh, I just had to go with something that I felt like was authentic and I'm a giant nerd. So it works. I love it. I love it. Yep. What, what are your thoughts on everything uh, today? I know you were tuning So me. I'm going to be kind of spicy if that's okay. Because I've kind of done a 180. And I feel like this is like the perfect day to be a little bit spicy because this thing got a little bit spicy today. So I was huge on Trey Lance. When he came out of the draft, I was all about it because it was the perfect – I felt like it was a perfect situation where a team is ready, built, and all the guy has to do is come in, learn, and like if he's not great right away, like if he comes out and throws 10 picks or 10 touchdowns and 17 picks, like the team's still going to win some games – and it's not like the team can carry him while he figures it out. He got hurt. Things went sideways. And now the team's in a position where they don't have time anymore um, and stuff like that. And that's all, that's all one thing. However, the part that I'm noticing is this. If I asked you, so let me ask you this. You've been in a lot of locker rooms, met a lot of guys, professional football at different levels. You ever have a guy walk into the huddle on practice field or whatever, and you just look at the guy and like, yeah, that's, you don't have it. That's just not it. Right, you you can just tell that this guy's he's not going to make it. Remember, you're coaching young young adults here, Croc. So careful what you say. <laughs> <laughs> you you can't tell me on that 90 man Jets roster there wasn't a guy that walked through the locker room and you're just like, yeah, you might you're going to be gone in two days, bro. You you know at the NFL level that it's how can I explain this? Uh, the gap is very small, typically, between good and the guys that might not be able to play. Yeah. So it's it's smaller, it's a smaller gap that I think most people think. Uh so yeah. it's hard for me to, you know, because maybe I was that guy, maybe. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, you when you see these guys, like everybody, like when you're on the practice field with these guys every single day, you'll see. Good and bad. I mean, there's times I saw Antonio Camardi get worked. I saw Antonio Camardi, who was coming off of an all-pro year, get beat so bad that he started fighting the guy. So, like, there's – I mean, I'm not going to sit here and be like, man, well, I saw Crow get whooped okay. here. Crow get whooped here. Clearly, he can't play. Like, no, he can't because he's an all-pro. So, uh, it's really hard for me to just say that unless it was somebody who was out there that 
just always got dogged, and I just never saw that. There was a guy, I remember, uh, I don't want to say his name, but there was a certain receiver who actually made the team with the Jets. And I remember being surprised. He made the squad over. <laughs> so like, you know, there there was that where I was surprised that somebody made it over a couple other guys, but just in the sense of walking in and into a huddle or a locker room. Uh Tim Tebow, maybe. And I remember just routes on air watching Tim Tebow. Uh, and can't hit it. <laughs> he, no, he was throwing balls into the ground like one hopping guys. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Tim Tebow stinks. So maybe Tim Tebow, that might be the one guy who I just was like, that don't look right, you know. But Gino, and I've talked about on here, there was a time where Gino Smith threw an interception to me. He might not remember this. I definitely remember. But I was wrong in how I played the coverage. He was wrong, which, however, he saw the coverage. And he threw a ball to a spot where there was no receiver. There was just me. He was confused. I was confused with why I was even there in that spot. But that just goes to show you there, too, like, you know, sometimes something could look like what it's not, you know. Uh, and also, there's still a lot of learning going on. And I think early on, maybe Gino, there were a lot of hit and miss moments. And it took him some time to to truly learn uh, how to improve on, on, on that. And a lot of time, maybe longer than others. And I think maybe there, you know, could be uh, maturity and things like that. But I don't, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to so, say. I say I. I don't know if I've ever just walked in and been like that guy just can't play. So the, the reason I ask that is because um, football is a little different. Like so, when you look at like a singer, right? You hear him sing. It's like okay, they can be the singer. They can't. Like it, there's not like you can usually tell. Like okay, yeah, that person's not very good. When it comes to football, by the time you get to the NFL, everybody's really, really good, right? Yeah. And you don't always know right away. However. If you go out there and you spend an entire offseason with somebody, like without ever seeing them play in a game, you have a general idea of kind of what their level of ability is. That doesn't mean it can't improve. That doesn't mean that that's their ceiling. That's what I'm saying. But you generally know the guys who, okay, this guy's got what it takes. This guy probably doesn't, so on and so forth. After two years of that, without ever seeing a game, you're going to have a fairly clear picture. It's extremely rare for somebody to not, like if you're not sure after two years, whether somebody is or is not the guy, then it's not. Well, he might not be now, for that situation. And, and correct, that, correct. Now let's say Trey Lance. Yes. And this is me. And then I have to actually get out of here because I'm supposed to be on another podcast. Mm -hmm. But Trey Lance, I went to three practices last year. That's not a lot, right? That's not two years worth. Yeah, of yeah. I went to three practices last year, and my main takeaway, it never even fathomed in my head, this is not a guy, like, he can't start for the 49ers. Mm -hmm. Or it never even popped in my head, Brock Purdy is better than Trey Lance. Like, that thought never even crossed my mind. At any, now, I've heard somebody else say that, so maybe in the practices that they watch, maybe that was something that they uh, – uh, in, ended up thinking, but I know just me just watching practice, I thought Nate Subfield threw the ball extremely well. I was like, man, that, that might be the best thrower out there, consistent of the football. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he was he was uh, very efficient. He was accurate. He was throwing the ball well. He was tall. He was like a perfect spiral every time. Like it looked really good. I was like, 
damn, that looks pretty good, you know? And the 49ers are like, nope, we don't even want him. We want Brock Purdy. We see something different in him. So that's the hard part where uh, me watching the practice there and seeing Trey Lance do a bunch of good things, like a bunch. They have moved the stick periods, and it was like third down and six, and Trey Lance throws a dart in between two guys and, and you know, throwing deep crossers. But then he threw a pick six to Jimmy Ward in the flat. Didn't see him. He kind of turned late, threw it. And Ward picked it off. So then there was that. But then I see him, uh, it's like two-minute drill, and he's just pew, 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 boom. They go down the field, and Trey Lance scored. So I didn't think that, like, oh, this is a guy that can't play or can't start for the 49ers. And that was without me even knowing that the 49ers were going to have the number one defense. So uh, I think it's 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 uh, maybe if you're somebody that knows exactly what's going on and what somebody is missing or not missing in the sense of, how Kyle Shanahan wants the play to be designed and then they're not executed that way, you might view it drastically different than me, someone who doesn't know and doesn't have replay and is not going back and forth, but I'm just watching and saying, like, dude, looks fine to me. I don't see anything like two, you know, two, two quick questions before uh, before you get out of here, Croc. Um, Blake Brown at, at 4.01 p.m., my time, uh, asked, what podcast are you heading to, Croc? Uh. My my guy Ruthless Ruthless uh C, 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 CJ Ruthless. yeah 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 CJ Ruthless uh he's gonna be uh CJ. him and my guy um uh, uh Harper Josh Harper so I'm about to go on theirs okay and then another question I have for you because I want to make sure you have, you have time to prep and and get that get that bird out of the oven there so it's not too Cajun style um where are you at with your with your media credentialing pass uh with having that what is what's I've inter- asked my people. Here's the thing. They want to give it, they give it to writers. It's easy to get it if you're writing. And I don't know if I have to fake act like I write for a thing and just put out some articles real quick. I'm pretty sure there's a you need to, bro. You need to, bro. I can be like, hey, like credential me. And they probably will, to be honest. Maybe I just need to go do that. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's not hard if you're a writer. For whatever reason, they push back on podcasters, which is definitely weird. They pick and choose. Haberman and Middlecoff might have a different relationship with them to where they get in no matter what. Uh, Peacock and I, who have the biggest, most listened to 49er specific podcast, we don't, we don't get that same look. And we're on the actual network. It's not even like, oh, just two guys. And it's like, look, we're on a network. It's a huge network. A lot of great shows. We're doing big numbers. Uh, you know, during the playoffs, I mean, shoot, we were top 10 in the world on the Apple pods and Spotify and stuff like that. And it's like, we can't get no love to get credential to, you know, get up close. So I don't know what it's going to take, but hopefully uh, they, they let us in soon. But I do got to go. I got, and I got a super chat. So I got to answer real quick and then get out of here. Oh, go ahead. Let me, let me I just want to drop one last thing. This is the spicy part. Um, Trey Lance won't be on the team this year. Uh, if he does not get traded before the week one, he will get cut. Mm. Um, at, a, at a certain point, at a certain point, Kyle Shanahan, when he's done with you, he's done with you. And it's usually after your second training camp. And that is the same with Dante Pettis. It's the same with several people who he was bought in on. Uh, spicy as it may be. And secondary, Brock Purdy's greatest physical asset is his spine. His ability to stand up to people and own a room. Eventually, he needs someone to stand up to him and just go make a friggin' play. All right, real quick, and um, to answer I go back to work. Questions, Greg says, it usually doesn't take long to see if a younger QB has it or not. NFL is definitely different. We are talking 1% of all college players, which makes it a lot more difficult to differentiate 
a guy being able to play and not being able to play because a lot of them, especially if you just see them throwing on the air and stuff, it typically looks pretty good. But uh, uh, how many players get cut early and then come back and make a Pro Bowl? Like, where you look at your your boy in Seattle, he's how many? He's one one of one in ten years. How many people get cut and then make, and then make others, a Pro Bowl later in their career? How many others maybe could have or would have gotten cut if not for their draft status that started off rocky but then ended up being good, right? So like that's I, I totally Josh agree. Allen, the the Jalen Hurts, yeah, yeah for good. sure. Josh Jaylen Allen, Hurts. if he got drafted in the fourth, yeah, yeah. You know, like that's a great point. You know, and it's like, but the next coaching staff came in. It was just like, oh no, we're gonna we're gonna rock with him and and we'll see. And they had multiple first round picks. I thought what they were doing was, hey, we got multiple first round picks the next year. Hey, we'll just rock with them and we'll see. Because if it doesn't work out, man, we can get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or any of these other guys. But if it does, hey, then we're good. I'm about to I'm about to exit the chat, but before I do, Croc, if you wouldn't mind just letting the audience know what's the most times you picked off Greg Pinelli in practice. Ah, okay, then he got out of here. Greg would tell you that I only picked him off once or so. I would say that I picked Greg off at least three times minimum. Cover two. <laughs> I got him every time. Here's the secret in every cover time. two. Here's the secret in cover two. And I'll and I'll let you out of here too. I know you're getting out of here, Shonda Boy. Yeah. So, uh, appreciate you coming up. Appreciate you. Hey, like, subscribe, everybody. Hit the buttons. All right. So here's the thing with cover two. And this is what I did with my main my main man, Greg Pinelli, who says he's sick of Josh Allen, but I mean he Josh Allen's basically his little brother. All right. But here's what I did to Greg. And this is why I try to teach younger guys, but some guys I don't know if you either have this uh, ability or not. I don't know. Show the quarterback the picture that they want to see. Now, look at him. How many times you get wrote? Look, we're not talking about how many times I got toasted in practice. First of all, only person that ever toasted me at MJC, I didn't give up a touchdown or nothing. Goddamn uh, Vince Andrews. And he was, come on, come on, Greg. Vince Andrews was a little, he was like baby Tyreek Hill. Not even baby Tyreek Hill. He was like same size. But show the picture the quarterback wants to see. All right? So in cover two, I know the quarterback wants to see one or two things. He wants to see me either back so he can hit that shallow in the smash concept, or he wants me up so he can hit that corner in the smash concept. So I'm going to show you. I know you want to see me down or up. So what am I going to do? I'm going to play down and anticipate you throwing that corner. Because if you see me down, you're throwing the corner. So I would just show body presence. All you got to do is show body presence. Show body presence. As soon as that, he pulls the pin, that arm goes back. Doo, I'm peeled back. Too late. Interception. Eric Crocker. Too late. All right, so that's how I got Greg Pinelli. <laughs> uh, real quick, man, a bunch of super chats. My bad, y'all. My bad. And then I got this other podcast. I'm late. And then my chicken and all this other stuff. All right. Uh, let's get to some of these. Here we go. Seahawks studied twice, only to score uh, potential five touchdowns. He's talking about uh, uh, Brett Purdy. The Seahawks got chances to you know play him, and, and, and they got to watch him, and it didn't work. I would say that context kind of matters with some of that. And that's not that Brock Purdy won't be great or amazing or anything like that. I'm just saying that there is some context. I think heading into the fourth quarter, he was like, he completed like 13 out of 21 passes, like 22 passes. It wasn't great. I think he barely completed like 50% of his passes in that game, but he had some great run after catch plays. Like Debo 
and you'll see 300 yards, all that. Debo took one 75 yards. It was like a 10-yard pass that he took 75. Now, I'm not knocking Brock for that. But if we're talking about just how well he played, there you go, go back and look and, you know, it, near interceptions, things like that. It was like if they studied him, they had some things right. There are also some things that they couldn't account for, like Debo taking the 75. All right. But, uh, you know, I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be fine. All right, here we go. Next one. Uh, Trey and Brock ran two different offenses with different personnel, apples and oranges uh, comparison. Uh, I would say that Kyle felt like he needed to tailor an offense a certain way to Trey Lance and didn't have to do that necessarily with Brock Purdy. That's what it feels like. But he also has done that with other black quarterbacks he's coached, so there's that too. All right, uh, official BNA music. Flav is the type of person that would have said Warren Moon was undraftable for the obvious reasons. Where's your Trey equals Tebow? Uh, yes. Uh, my wife is bored, so she's like looking at me through the crack in my door right now. Is the chicken good? Yes. It is? When can we eat? Do you like that honey sriracha? I do. All right, you put the honey sriracha on that chicken, you feel me? I'm hungry. You're hungry? I got to cook some rice to go with that, and I got some little, little hors d'oeuvres. Hors d'oeuvres. Yeah, a little sprinkle, sprinkle. Okay, but I am live. Huh? Are you listening? Kind of. Not really, though, but all right, love you. All right. Uh, okay, so uh, there's that one. We got Case. I saw you in here. I know we didn't get to get to you in the in the chat. It says, Trey's first three stars are best of his class. And to be honest, that's crazy, but it it kind of is. <laughs> There's a lot of slow play uh, from that class out the gate. And he's talking about, you know, Trevor Lawrence. Maybe Mac Jones might have had some better. Ah, it start, kind of started a little bit weird for Mac Jones. And then they went on the run. Not joking, by the end of the first preseason, I had seen enough to know that he was basically Deshaun Kaiser, Flav. 6-23-23. But you didn't say, uh, never mind. All right, so he's talking about uh, this is something that Flav has said and I would even say this about Deshaun Kaiser, who somebody I was like, mm, he might be kind of good. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser, man, he played for a terrible Browns team. I think anytime you play for a team that's just really bad, it's hard. Like, it's hard to be good. It's hard to be good. And that might need to be an entire show. Like, just how hard it is to play and be a successful quarterback when your team is just the worst. It's hard. Joe Burrow showed signs. And even then, it was like, damn, these niggas suck. Greg thought today was a little juicy. I thought I got a little juicy, a little testy in there. A little testy, a little juicy. <laughs> Shout out to my guy, Greg. Appreciate the $2. And uh, Niner Nerd needs to turn his, uh, to burn his logic. So, Shunder Boy, that's definitely directed towards you. All right, man. Uh, great show. Ran longer than expected because I got to go run to a show right now. Uh, I got my guy. Come on, man. I got my guy, Josh Harper, waiting. I can't have Josh waiting. So I do appreciate everybody that contributed to such a great show. Um, whether you agree or disagree with it, let's have open conversations. I get people that attack me in the comments. They're like, how you attack Eric Crocker? I'm like the chillest dude. Just come on live and let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. All right. So... Uh, Hey, 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 that honey sriracha, listen, 
Listen, Chris, first of all, you see me, man. I'm really out here cooking. All right. I ain't get lean like this for no reason. You feel me? Uh, and I'm I'm lean, lean, lean right now for the most part. Abs coming through, all that good stuff. But the honey sriracha, man, that is a game changer. I put it on the baked chicken with a bunch of other little spices. I can't, you know what I'm saying, give y'all all my little mm mm wop. But uh, but yeah, anyways, I'm talking too much. I appreciate everybody in here. Uh, y'all know what to do, man. All that good stuff. Hit the like button and Shout out to 187 known Brock Party fan in the chat says great show. Hey, if 187 like the show, how do you not like this show, man? Hit the like button, subscribe, all that good stuff. Man, hey, Greg, I'm really a chef out here. One day I might cook for you and the wifey, man. You never know. I can't give away my receipts, but uh we'll keep going live on this channel. Appreciate everybody. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, all that good stuff. Chef Crocky, I'm out. Y'all almost made me burn my chicken, but it's good. Wifey came to the rescue. Peace.